Happy Tuesday, everybody. As all y'all are filtering in, I hope you had a good week. A good two weeks. It's been so long since last time we talked. But even though it's been so long, I know we haven't forgotten about each other. (laughs) Oh, this shit goes deep, baby. This shit goes deep. Well, welcome, welcome, everybody. I gotta say, I gotta say, taking a week off from the podcast, uh, I legit missed doing it pretty hard. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna lie. I've I've been having a lot of fun here at the Fred Hampton Inn and Suites. I hope all y'all have been too. Uh, it's good to be back. We're done with the work trips for now. We're back in the old saddle at home, uh, and we're just gonna start things off pretty light today with just a topic that I cannot get out of my head for some reason, and that is. The topic of forgiveness. Now, what what sparked this story for me? And we'll just do a little bit up top, like we usually do, and then let's just get right into it. Um, forgiveness is an interesting concept to me, a very interesting concept to the point to where I I, I guess I'll, I'll I'll come out and just say it. So I was raised in a Christian church. I know. I know, isn't that terrible? It's terrible. Uh, And, you know, although I don't exactly follow the doctrine or, you know, attend services as much as I did growing up, there is something about the, the story of forgiving people who don't deserve it that's always sort of stuck with me. And... It's something that has been pretty instrumental in my own life, right? I I, I know that everyone makes mistakes, and obviously there are some things that are forgivable and other things that seem unforgivable. But that concept of what is the difference between those two things, and is there really something that you can do that's truly unforgivable that you can't bounce back from? And my favorite example of this actually isn't the one that... um, involves Pope Francis, which we'll get into in a, in a second here. But my favorite example of this, and I have to look up his name again, but uh, a general from Liberia who, uh, uh, his name is, well, his moniker was General, general Butt Naked. So some of y'all already know who this guy was. Uh, I'm sure a lot of you do because a lot of you for some reason, no history. (laughs) And I know you didn't learn that shit in our schools, baby. I don't know where you learned that, but good on you. But uh, General Butt Naked, his name is Joshua Milton, I think it's Blahi, or Blahi. He was a Liberian uh, warlord during the first Liberian Civil War. And we won't go into the whole history of the Liberia or it's civil wars, but it is a wild country with wild history and a lot of uh, stuff that, you know, uh, America really messed up over there. Uh, Nothing new, but 
the civil wars were some of the most heinous and 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 destructive things that have ever probably happened on earth and i don't say that lightly um some of the worst of humanity came out and one of the worst was this guy joshua milton blahi uh, also known as general butt naked and he was known as general butt naked battle naked except for just wearing a pair of shoes a pair of sneakers or something and this warlord has openly admitted to raping countless people, to sacrificing children. I'm not making this up. Sacrificing children and eating them, cannibalizing children in front of their mothers, killing and raping their mothers, uh, is responsible directly for thousands of deaths of people, right? And... Thought he had, like, magic powers and whatever, but this guy today is a preacher in Liberia. He's a Christian preacher who, after killing thousands, after literally eating people, after having, uh, you know, making child soldiers do the same, uh, recruiting child soldiers into the army, which was pretty common in the first Liberian Civil War, unfortunately— but making these kids, hyping them, giving them a bunch of drugs, sending them out to battle, making them rape and eat people. Uh, he now runs like a rehabilitation clinic in Liberia and has gone around to different families asking for forgiveness. And this to me is like the, the pinnacle of an unforgivable person in a way, right? And... There's a whole documentary of him that's worth watching on YouTube, but it's just it's fascinating because he does I don't know if it's genuine or not. I don't know where he's at. I and and part of it gets too complicated for me. But you wonder what someone like that would have to do to earn any forgiveness if it was even given to them. And that brings us to, to Pope Francis. Um, so Pope Francis, uh, and yeah, Rudy, I see you in the chat talking about General Mosquito Killer. Yeah, a lot of these people, General Mosquito and General Mosquito Spray, all of those people in the Liberian Civil War. If you ever want to like lose more faith in humanity, just study the first Liberian Civil War. Uh, w- one of the worst things, again, to ever happened on the planet. No joke. But let's let's get back to Pope Francis. Um, so Pope Francis yesterday uh, went to, and I forget the name of the place. Why, uh, I had just practiced it. Guys, I was so good. I was so good. I was going to say it so perfectly. Let me see. It's, well, he went to Canada. How about that? <laughs> he went to Canada um, and met with, addressed a bunch of um, indigenous people who were gathered uh, to receive him. Now, this goes back about four or five months when a number of indigenous leaders um, from Canada actually visited the Pope in the Vatican and went there to speak about the, um, 
the residential schools that the Catholic Church and other Christian churches ran in Canada. And if you don't know the history of that, here's a little bit of the backstory. So, God, I forget when they started, maybe the 60s or 70s, or was it older? Uh, back in the day, let's say that, a couple decades back, um, Canada, Canadian government adopted a forced uh, conversion policy for indigenous peoples. The idea was, we're going to remove these children from their families, indigenous children from their families, we're going to enroll them in our schools and force them basically to be Canadians. We're going to forcibly assimilate them. Uh, Catholic Church ran a bunch of these schools, was in charge of a lot of this forced assimilation, and so were other Christian churches. Uh, in these schools, terrible abuses were going on for the kids. And I mean, I mean everything you can think of. Um, psychological, mental tortures, but also physical tortures and, and sexual abuse and outright killing. Um, in the years since, they found multiple graves uh, at or near these schools with thousands of indigenous children who were just buried. And the deaths were never reported. The families were never informed. They were just disappeared. And the Catholic Church played a big role in this, and so did other Christian churches, right? Which, again, is ironic because the thing that got me interested in the concept of forgiveness to begin with was a church. Um, but given that backdrop, there's never really been any sort of um, reconciliation for that, for those actions. So apparently there's some kind of, I don't know if it's an official commission, but some truth and reconciliation, let's call it a movement that's happening within Canada currently. And as part of that, about four or five months ago, these indigenous Canadian leaders uh, visited the Vatican and Pope Francis, and they presented him with a pair of moccasins and said it represented all the people who had been killed and abused, all the victims of that forced assimilation policy. And they sat down with him and they, you know, they said their piece. And as part of that, they invited uh, Pope Francis to visit them in Canada on their uh, ancestral lands. Uh, which brings us to yesterday. So Pope Francis, he had promised to visit them. Uh, I don't know if it was exactly expected that he actually would, but he did. And they wheel him out in his little Pope wheelchair uh, with his little... Pope, uh, I know his Pope buddies, pushing him out there, just strolling him out. And here he is in front of all of these different people, uh, the progeny of, of a lot of the victims that his church was responsible for. And he said, he, he basically just came out and apologized. Um, he said, quote, I have come to your native lands to tell you in person of my sorrow, to implore God's forgiveness, healing, and reconciliation. 
to express my closeness and to pray with you and for you. And then went on to say, I am deeply sorry, sorry for the ways in which, regrettably, many Christians supported the, coloniz the colonizing mentality of the powers that oppress the indigenous peoples. And also said, I ask forgiveness, in particular, for the ways in which many members of the church and of religious communities cooperated, not least through their indifference in projects of cultural destruction and forced assimilation promoted by the governments of that time, which culminated in the system of residential schools. Uh, and the, the, the residential schools are the ones I, I mentioned before. So uh, this, this just gets me thinking. Like, look, look there... So there's also a lot of, like, I, I, I don't know what effect an apology like that has, but it does seem to have an apology on a lot of the people who were there. Or it some, does seem to have an effect on a lot of the people who, who heard it. Um, a lot of the people did think it was a genuine apology. Um, it doesn't erase anything that happened, but what, I guess, what are those limitations of forgiveness? When do we say, you know what, fuck you, dude. Like, nah. And I, I also say this because I think on, on the left in particular with a lot of politics as they are now, and I don't want to get into the whole cancel culture shit and all of that, but, you know, like, look, the there's a lot of talk about how and I don't know, like, I don't know how many Gen Zers we got listening. They're probably off doing cool stuff like TikToking and whatever it is that they do. <laughs> I don't know. Probably not cool drugs. I hope they do. But, you know, I don't, don't want to give it outside the point. I, I worry because I do think that there is a tendency, especially with, with Gen Z, that they're, you know, they've only lived lives that are, like, constantly on display. You know? Like, when I was a kid back before Facebook and, you know, social media and all that, you know, back in the good old days, uh, you had a little more room to kind of fuck up, right? And I think about who I am today, you know, what I've done and what others have done to me. And... I can't help but think, I can't help but realize that, like, both forgiving myself for fuck-ups and other people, and really forgiving them, like, understanding that they, that they had the capacity to change, that they had the capacity to grow, and so do I, has been so instrumental in getting to where I am, in realizing that I can be a better person. And not a better person from any kind of, you know, anyone's, uh, you know, not, not like, I don't know how to judge that, but like, I feel better about the way I treat people. I feel, I feel like I've become a more compassionate person. I feel like I've become someone who, who has a lot more empathy. And that drives a lot of my politics. And I worry because, you know, when you have people who have constantly been on display and you have these sort of fuck ups 
or this sort of like, I don't know, like bullshitty trolley behavior when they're young or I don't know. I don't know what kids are like. I don't know how they're fucking up right now, but you know, just imagine it. Uh, I worry that they might not have a pathway back. And I do think that there is something to be said about having a pathway back, which allows people to reintegrate into society, whether that's like the criminal justice system or whether it allows them to reintegrate into just, I don't know, like a a sort of normative social uh, milieu or whatever, right? Like uh, just some pathway back, some opportunity to look at what they've done acknowledge how they've hurt people or what they've done, how it was wrong or, you know, and grow. And I don't see how you build a mass movement without allowing for growing pains. Does that make sense? And I think that sometimes, you know, we, I don't want to say we're too harsh because I don't know. I don't know who's harsh, because look, when I think again of General Butt Naked, like, by all accounts, that guy should be fucking just killed. Like, if that happened to my family, I would, yo, I would lose my cool real fucking fast, right? But there is something to be said about, what if this guy is having a genuine sort of, what if he really is trying to spend the rest of his life doing something better from before. Haven't we then achieved the outcome of what we, what we really want from like reconciliation, right? I don't know. There is something about him though. I've been following this guy for a long fucking time too. (laughs) I'm, and I'm watching his interviews. I'm trying to find like what, if he has tells or something like, Oh, he's really still a piece of shit underneath all of that. And, but I can't, I, I don't know what to make of it. I really don't. And I just, I don't know. I want to be able to, I want people to be able to grow and be better. And I guess I don't want the, you know what I want, I, 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 what I'd like to discuss and what I'd like to hear from you besides just memeing and catching up and shit, cause it's been a minute, baby. Um, what what do you feel to what extent is forgiveness a necessary component of justice and to what extent does justice require at some point that forgiveness is just out the window for some people or for some things you know because i don't know and i'm still trying to figure all that out um, but yeah, that's really all I have to say at top. I'd love to take your calls. Um, if anyone else would like to dial in, we are done with the ranty portion. And if not, then I'll just, I'll tell y'all what I've been getting into and yada, yada and woo, woo, woo. Uh, let's see what, what's going on in the chat. Let's see what's happening. Oh, here's Sonia. Okay. Yeah. Let's get started. All right, Sonia, go ahead and unmute yourself, and then uh, welcome to the Fred Hampton Inn Suites. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? 
I'm doing okay. Just, you know, waxing philosophical or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it's not really a one-size-fits-all sort of thing, forgiveness, because it's really about the victim, uh, like whether or not they forgive the person. And then I guess there's the other aspect of can they be reintegrated into society? So it's like, is this a person who had power that abused that power? Or is it someone who had no power, who was just trying to, like, say, committed a crime of poverty and ended up getting punished for it? Um, Yeah, sure. Or even just like we see this with drug use, you know, like. Uh, I think in some areas you can still go to jail for having weed on you. So it's like without, uh, I don't know, I feel like without considering where the person is situated and where the victim is situated, you can't really paint forgiveness with a broad brush. Like I think General Butt Naked, obviously, I don't think there's any route to forgiveness if he wants to spend the rest of his life trying to repent then you know he has to do that of his own accord knowing that he may never receive forgiveness um but i do think it's different when we're dealing with each other on a person-to-person level and it's like how big was the harm sure that's an interesting point though do you do you draw a, a distinction between uh repentance and and forgiveness Yeah, because I feel like forgiveness has to come from the victim, whereas repentance comes from the wrongdoer. It's just like, are you going to, you know, try to pay reparations, I guess is one way of saying it. But like, are you trying to are you going to try to uh, repay like not a debt? I'm not sure how to phrase it exactly, but like, are you going to try to make up for what you did? Um, yeah, the, and the, regardless the, of whether you, if you're oh, just doing it to be forgiven, that's like, you know, not really being repentant. So right. I feel like if somebody, you know, is doing it for forgiveness with that, like you have to do it with the thought again, that the other person may never forgive you. Maybe you harm them in such a bad way that they're going to hate you for the rest of your life, you know? Yeah. But if you really yeah. feel badly about it and want to just like, make up for what you did, you're going to try to repent anyway. Yeah, I, I, I like that distinction, too. And that's probably a helpful one here, too, because I think, you know, with some the weird thing about General Butt Naked is that some of the actual families who he did that shit to have forgiven him. And I have no idea how you do that. I honestly like I, I I'm in awe of the fact that someone could could do that that to me. Because I don't, I don't know if I have that capacity, but I, I do think that the repentance distinction is good because it, it, it does seem like, it does seem. Look, even if we're just looking at the actions, it does look like he's actually trying to repent, to some extent, and I find that interesting. Um, Uh, you know, of course, whether or not people want to integrate him or reintegrate him into society, especially when it comes to like the actual victims, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't think he should have any say in that. But I don't know. I do think there is something. 
I don't know. There is something strangely profound about it in a way to me, like the act of repentance. It's just because it takes like a recognition of the fact that you caused great harm, right? It's an actual confrontation of that. And I wouldn't even, you know, I want, I want to put people like, uh, you know, people who are committing crimes of necessity, even into the, the, the category of they even, I don't even think they, uh, uh, their acts are bad enough to even warrant anything to forgive. Right. It's like someone had to eat. It's not, that to me is like a lot easier to wash away. Like who gives a shit, right? It's like the, uh, I don't know. Are you a musical person? Sonia, do you like musicals? Okay. It's like Jean Valjean, you know, in the very beginning where he's stealing the candlesticks and then the priest is like, take this precious silver, like go and do your thing. It's like that, you know, like that to me is like, not, I don't know. It's not even really a crime or I stole a loaf of bread. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of like uh, I think it was Maya Angelou who said, "I am human, and nothing human is foreign to me." And I think it's hmm. like even those atrocities that people commit, there's no saying like if you were in that position how you would behave because yeah, I think we all have like the capacity to be monsters, and I also think that nobody is as bad as the worst thing they ever did, except for maybe his case. (laughs) I mean, the worst thing he ever did was pretty fucking bad. Let's just be clear about that, right? Yeah. I I, I think it's quite possible. Um, Yeah, and and that did remind me... Oh, go ahead. Go. I was going to say, actually, yeah, even during the whole colonial period, there were like, I mean, atrocities happen now, too, but the kind of heinous things that people have done to each other over the course of history. Like, I don't know. I, I don't really know how people can do that sort of stuff to each other. But then I think like, I don't know, maybe that capacity is inside of me too. Well, that's, I think that's really a, a great point. And I tend to believe that capacity is in all of us just because or all of us as humanity generally, just because, you know, like if you look at how people sort of started doing the Holocaust and a lot of the people who were actually doing the acts were not exactly fanatics, right? They were kind of conditioned to do it over time. And I'm not saying that they don't like, I'm not trying to absolve them completely of guilt, but the, the slow and steady sort of, oh, well, I have to do this because of this. Um, the justifications that people started to give themselves becomes like maddening. And I've told this story before, but I, I'll, I'll say it one more time. Um, there's a book called Ordinary Men, which I find fucking fascinating about the Holocaust. And it's basically a bunch of primary sources of uh, people who were part of these Nazi police battalion, battalions that were – originally before the concentration camps were given orders to kill uh, Jewish people in, in, you know, mass executions. So bullet to the head, bullet to the head, bullet to the head, really terrible shit. Um, And there are some journal entries from some of the officers who were doing this. And I'll never forget. There's one officer here who 
would only shoot the children. And he wouldn't kill anyone else but the kids. And he had to watch someone else uh, kill the kid's parents first. Because then he thought he was doing the kid a mercy because clearly now the kid won't survive without their parents. So I have to, you know, I'm doing them a mercy by killing them. And I think that's like, you know, the kind of mental gymnastics that people, ordinary people will do to do evil things, I think is, is not to be understated. And then along with that too, and I don't know how into this we'll get, and maybe I'll get into some of this with Derek too, but, uh, you know, there is an argument for not fatalism, but determinism, uh, meaning, you know, that free will to some extent is greatly an illusion. And, you know, Sam Harris, I think, has made this point. And I only know that because my friend really likes Sam Harris, and uh, he also really likes philosophy, and so we've had this conversation a bunch about criminal justice reform. But And, and the idea is basically this, like, okay, so people are not – people are a product of their nature and nurture, and – Neither of those are really things that people choose, right? Um, and the actions that they commit, say stealing a loaf of bread or some candlesticks, or oh, this precious silver, you know, it's that comes from the fact that, one, they're born with a nature that their brain works the way it does. Um, they didn't get to choose their biology or any of that stuff. And then the nurture part is that they didn't really choose the conditions to be in to steal, um, you know, so when we talk about like crime rates in poor neighborhoods, uh, like how much can we say that really entails free will, right? If people are the combination of those two things and you have zero degree or zero real control over those two things, um, at least for the majority of, uh, existence, you, you got any thoughts on that, Sonia? Yeah, that kind of reminds me of the Bhagavad Gita where he's like not wanting to go into battle because he has like family on both sides. And like, uh, I think it's Krishna comes down and is just like, you know, this battle's happening whether you like it or not. So <laughs> may as well yeah. take a side. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Buck up. I think, <laughs> yeah, it's just like once conditions have reached a certain point like there's no alternate avenues you can take besides like what's happening in front of you the conditions are sort of overpowering and yeah. but at the same time i still feel like if someone is in a position of power i don't know it's really hard to generalize about it because each yeah. specific situation is different and right I'm not sure if you've seen The Act of Killing. It was a documentary that came out. I was going to mention that. I haven't yet, but I was. it was coming up a lot when I was um, looking back into the Liberian Civil War, and I watched some clips of it. But that is, oh boy. <laughs> yeah, you want to describe it a little bit for people here? Yeah, I guess. Hold on, let me Google. So No, it's okay. It's basically a documentary. So the idea, I think it's Indonesia. Is that where it was? Indonesia? Am I? Yeah, or is Indonesia. It dirt, dirt, I don't yeah. want to guess. Indonesia. So, yeah. So it was a but bunch yeah, of people so and generals. Like, yeah. Go ahead. 
Oh, should I describe it? <laughs> okay, yeah, so you, yeah, you do it. it. Was you like, do it. <laughs> the U.S. funded a bunch of these like death squads, but they were really just gangs of kids who would hang out watching movies, um, like Western movies, right. and they were really upset that like the socialist government was trying to shut them down because they were afraid anything Western coming in was going to be like, um, you know, antagonistic to what they were trying to achieve. So they ended up, you know, like funding these people that went around and committed this mass slaughter, like anybody who was even marginally on the left. And they're still in power and people see them as heroes. And so it's kind of like this director went in trying to interview the victims, but wasn't able to. And so instead he like gets these guys who are really into movies to act out you know, what they did, what was yeah. supposed to in their mind be heroic still. And yeah. they all start having like a mental breakdown. <laughs> yeah. They reenact their war crimes and in a movie form. And so it's, and yeah, over the course of the film, most of them have breakdowns. Although a couple of them are like, yeah, that shit, that shit was awesome. <laughs> like it's, you yeah. know, and uh, yeah. It's crazy how some people just are not repentant even yeah. Like in the future, I don't know what gives some people the capacity to see what they've done and well, others. So much does. And that's what I'm saying about that determinism part, though, right? Is that because, look, like psychopaths who actually don't feel anything, it's not their fault that they're psychopaths, too, right? Their brains are fundamentally broken and they have capacities to do things that other people would just never do because they can't feel in the same way. And that's. So I have a hard time even blaming them, like people who are truly psychos, like psychopaths for real, because it's it's because why would you? Their brain is broken, right? Like that's a we should have sort of methods to figure out how to make those people functional in society, too. But um, Sonia, thank you so much for calling in. Always love to have you. Uh, Your your dog is so cute. (laughs) All right. And coming up next. Hey, Derek, how's it going, man? I'm okay. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. You just, uh, uh, I don't know, just living, living large and in charge, baby. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Good place to start. All right. Um, <laughs> well, I lean more towards, uh, on the individual basis, uh, as much, uh, forgiveness as possible. Um, but mm-hmm. I think it's, there, there's all kinds of room for debate there to be sure. And yeah. I wonder, I wonder whether, you know, like as far as like cultural kind of ideas that we have, like, I wonder if we need both really, um, you know, like good cop, bad cop kind of thing going on where, well, do they feel bad because a bunch of people recognize that they're fallible and they know that they're going to be forgiven and they feel bad or do they feel bad because somebody was like, listen, you piece of shit, you know, because they were confronted. Do they feel bad? How did, how did they get to the place where they felt bad and wanted forgiveness or deserve forgiveness in the first place? Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, it's funny you mentioned that because with psychopaths in particular, um, <laughs> when they're being treated in therapy, one, m- pretty effective method is to sort of put their 
you have to address that they don't really feel emotions with people, but you frame things in a way of, well, look, if you want people to remember you and have high opinions of you and think that you're really great, and, you know, if you want your legacy to be a good one at the time that you leave this earth, then you cannot do these things that hurt people because eventually people learn your character and they learn you and then they, it comes back to bite you in the ass. So you basically have to frame things in a way that's like, oh, this makes sense to me. I am benefiting from this directly from, uh, you know, not being a, a fucking dick. Right. So yeah, there is some function to to a society that does that. And, you know. Well, comparing, um, like, there, there there would be large differences in a, in a shit ton of gray area and different tangents to go down. You know, sure. looking at the difference between Jeffrey Dahmer and Louis C.K., you know what I mean? For sure. For sure. Absolutely. And I do think that different acts warrant different levels of forgiveness, too, right? Um, but you know, someone like Jeffrey Dahmer, I think in some ways I, this is going to be controversial, but I'm just going to say it. Okay. I don't think eating people's that bad. No, that's, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, in some ways, yeah, he didn't do anything. He's fine. Okay. No. Um, honestly, I, I think in some ways someone like Jeffrey Dahmer, you see, like, I cannot help but see him as fundamentally broken. I don't, I don't know his background, but I know a lot of those people who are serial killers like that come from fucked up abusive situations where like they don't have typical sort of happy childhoods or whatever. Right. Like, I mean, like look at these fucking school shooters and stuff, right. They all are these socially isolated, complete, like have no act like community are, you know, usually have some kind of mental health issues that aren't being treated and everything. It's like there's at a certain point we we start to understand the things that can make people fucking broken like that. Every once in a while you're going to have broken ass people that just, you know, just randomly happens. You never know, right? Like sure. Um, what a lot of people don't want to talk about with with those shooters is well maybe they were being treated and maybe we should look at the treatment and stop pretending that that might not be a factor as well. You know? Yeah. If a I, well, you, you know, there was an interesting bit on breaking points today. I think Sagar was talking about um, SSRIs and, as as treating, I, I forget what all they treat, but um, some psychiatric conditions, but talking about how, I don't know, like the push for SSRIs to... The, the studies about the effectiveness of SSRIs were sort of doctored up a little bit, or at least one of them was. And the push to put them out there has been a big pharmaceutical push because they make a lot of money from SSRIs and they don't make as much money or they won't make as much money from alternative treatments like uh, mushrooms or something cool, you know, like a cool drug, like a chill drug. Um, but, yeah, I mean, and those are all factors uh, – you know, those are all factors to consider too. But you're not going to sit here and find me defending right. capitalism anytime soon, right? Like it's, right. Um, you know, I mean, but, I, I'll, uh, I'll defend it compared to feudalism, but you know, it's how how brave of you. Um, well, uh, pushing aside the individual kind of stuff because I just 
I, I guess I'd rather listen to what people think rather than talk about that. But uh, when it comes to the institution stuff, I mean, and the individual or individuals um, apologizing on behalf of those institutions, yeah, I'm not buying it. Yeah. I don't give a shit. I don't care what the Pope has to say. I don't care if the Pope is a good person or a bad person. You know, all I, all I know is that, uh, that those, that institution and institutions across the board cause a lot of damage and they need to be held accountable in yes. very, very unapologetic yeah. ways with no interest whatsoever in the concept of forgiveness. You know, yeah. I think it's marketing. Gimmick. Yeah. I think yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it's damage control. It's press, you know, stuff. I, you know, when's the last time anybody heard about an institution apologizing before something came to light. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I have to rack my brain. I do think, well, you're reminding me of something that the late, great, uh, Michael Brooks said. Um, and for those of you who don't know, Michael Brooks was a, he was a political commentator. I think he was on Sam Cedar's show for a while, the majority report. And then he had his own show, the Michael Brooks show. And he, I forget even how he died, but it was just some random, you know, like a aneurysm or something like that. Like a blood clot, I think. Blood clot. Just one of those things that you just, you never know you have, and then boom, you just die. Sure. Um, sure. But he was, you know, in his 30s, and he said, um, he said, be ruthless with systems, but be kind to people. It was something along those lines. And I... okay. I tend to think that's a good way to do politics generally, or just to, I don't know. I'm cool with that. Boil it down. You know, I think, yeah, I agree. I mean, um, yeah, I'm, that's great to be reminded of somebody that so many people, so many people admire. That's cool. Um, I never, I don't know if I caught, if I caught him at all at any point, I didn't realize who it was or I didn't consistently listen to him. Yeah. But I've only heard good things from people that I respect. So. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he was, he was cool. And he was kind of, it's, it's interesting cause he's kind of out of my circle too of people I would listen to, but I've been listening to him more lately and it sucks. It sucks to lose good people, man. It just, Definitely. you know, but I'm happy that they have been archived to, to some extent, right? Like, yeah, I'll get kind to of enjoy it. Eventually I'll look him up and probably spend like five hours listening to him. But, uh, Hell yeah. you know, even, even with the institution stuff, I mean, they're, you know, I'm, I'm not like looking to just be like, fuck you, dude. Um, you know, like what if, what if instead of just, well, I don't know if any money was offered or any kind of reparations were offered. Um, but like, I'm assuming not much compared yeah. to damage. That's for yeah. sure. Even yeah. if it was offered, but imagine an apology where, you know, you got the feeling that this wasn't about the institution. It was, it was about the person's belief and yeah. the idea that this institution had betrayed people and taking it personally and like saying all of my, everything that I've acquired in life will now go to this cause. All of my Gucci Pope robes Gucci. and Armani Pope slippers and yeah. whatever like gold plated fucking throne he sits on. You know, like all of it, you know, and then he, yeah. you know, he brought, brought forward like the, uh, 
the the people that who had committed the crimes, their descendants. Yeah. I mean, take like uh, like Tuskegee, right? Bill Clinton apologized for that. As far as I know, um, no reparations were offered. Maybe they were. I'm, I just don't know. Um, but you know, like take a good look at like just like with what ha- what happened with the Pope's apology. Uh, put it side by side with Bill Clinton's apology. And I mean, to me, it's like, yeah, okay. What happened? What happened right before this apology? What What happened during it? Yeah. What was going on during it, and what's going to be happening right after it? You know, like, was Bill Clinton just looking for nothing more than the black vote? Is it that fucking cynical and disgusting? Probably. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Does he I really mean, care? He's not responsible. I mean, what the fuck? You know, like. If reparations aren't offered, who gives a shit? I don't care what Bill Clinton thinks about anything. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So the pol- the apology is hollow without reparations. The apology is hollow when it's coming from somebody who wasn't involved. If he had gotten, like, like again, the descendants of, like, the scientists that committed these fucking horrible crimes on humanity yeah. to apologize, he'd be like, damn. You so, know? so what do you think, then, about, and this will be the last last thing I ask you, I guess, but... What do you think about someone like General Butt Naked then? Who oh, that, uh, that, that's what I was going to finish with. I don't know. What okay, yeah, is. yeah. Oh, you don't you don't know who that is, or yeah, I was going to ask. Yeah, he was the guy. I mean, he's someone who basically. I mean, he was a Liberian warlord who literally ate people, raped them, um, had child soldiers, ate children's heart, and sacrificed them to like dark gods, like all kinds of fucked up shit, like okay. uh, like l- real bad shit. But now he is. He has apologized. He does go to a lot of these families and ask for forgiveness. And he's a pastor now, and it's and he runs a rehabilitation clinic for child soldiers. But it's like that to me is like you know, kind of talking about with Sonia for a bit. It's it's it, the, he he does seem to be living towards repentance, and I don't know what to make of Boy, him. Yeah, that's yeah. pushing it. Dude. Ain't that fucking pushing it, buddy? <laughs> Yeah, like my god <laughs> like could he just chill out a little bit dog well, like my god it's fucked up because it's like well do i really believe in forgiveness let's put that shit to the test yeah um, yeah well he will so definitely do it i guess uh without knowing much but uh, believing that that's accurate because it sounds disgusting enough to be true um yeah i'm more inclined to immediately <laughs> without an apology forgive whoever slits his throat in the middle of the night yeah i hear rather that than, i hear what you mean rather than his lifetime of apologies and redemption seeking on behalf of a, you know a religious ideology i guess i don't know sure. maybe i'm being good maybe he's a no I, I, th- I think i think you're being very human but i do think that there's something profound about forgiving someone who does that and i don't know if i've just been like if my brain is just dumb and I just like, I love peace and love. I don't know. But like, it's, uh, it's, I do think there is something, there's a, there's a, 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 something in that story or something in that narrative that does sort of hit a, a deeply human part of me. And I'm not sure what it is, but, um, Derek, always love having you, man. Thanks for calling. Yeah. yeah thanks, man. Yeah. Take care. All right, coming up next we have. Ooh, I don't think I've I've spoken with you before. Is it Z- Zainab or Zainab? Zainab? Uh, Zaina. Zaina. Okay, cool. 
Hey, what's going on, Zaina? Thanks for calling in. Hey, good. Sorry, I started a little bit later, but this is a really, really interesting topic. And I was literally, like, in the shower this morning thinking about this. So oh, for real? Yeah, <laughs> wow, that's wild. People join, like, uh, Sonia and Thomas and a few others that I've seen on call in. Amanda, who was on mine yesterday, so I was like, ooh, <laughs> maybe this is going to be good, but it's, it's nice to meet you. Yeah, nice to meet you too. Thanks for thanks for calling in. So, uh, what what were you thinking in the shower? Are you gonna clue us in on those shower thoughts that you had? <laughs> sure. I was thinking about you know, um, I was thinking about restorative justice, right? And yes. What that could mean? I was recently harmed, and it went very public. And I, so I've been hearing like all the discourse around it, like all the craziness, and I was thinking about empathy. And I still have empathy for that person, even though it was awful what happened. You know, I still, like, feel bad for that person, and I can't I can't turn that off. You know, I can't switch that yeah. off. Yeah. Um, no matter, even though I know everything that happened, I can't switch that off. That, that empathy, that, that feeling bad for, for somebody. And I realize that in general, like, I do that. Um but also I realize that there has to be justice before there can be restorative justice. Because if justice doesn't happen, then, you know, abuses by institutions or by individuals can keep happening. So we can't. Yeah. I, and another thing that I've learned is that people are willing to lie or rectify or do whatever they want to do in the name of a cause. Like, you know, they're willing to do exactly what another group does that they don't like for a cause and then they can rectify it in their mind you know like yeah, yeah. for instance we see republicans do what democrats do all the time or vice versa but then they always have this argument of the lesser of two evils we'll right. see one church literally behaving just like another religious institution they will criticize one institution religious institution for for instance i'll give a great example um the FLDS, um, it, it found, you know, it was discovered that they were marrying off kids really young, like women that were, you know, 10, 11, 12 years old. Wait, well, they what? Were criticizing, yeah, yeah, there's a whole documentary on it. The guy went to jail. Who are these people? The FLDS? Fundamental Latter-day Saints, I believe. Fundamentalist Latter-day Saints. Yeah, it's actually legal in several states, including Utah and, I believe, Idaho. And, oh, my um, they, God. They've made child marriage legal again. It's, it, I think it's something like 16 states that they have pushed to make this legal again, and it's gone under the radar. It's so crazy to me. Oh, my God. How, so how they're, is like, that? they off, like, 12, 13, 14-year-old girls. Why? Okay. Oh my god. I don't even like. First of all, why do so many people want to fuck kids? Like, sorry to be frank about. Like, what? What is going on here? Who even wants? I don't. I don't understand why. I don't understand why anyone thinks like a twelve-year-old getting married should be like okay. Like, where the parents are just. Like, are they kidnapped? Who are these? Who well, are these kids? I think that this example ties in what I call the trifecta. Right? <laughs> what I was thinking about in the shower today, I was thinking about like the trifecta when it comes to, like I was saying, some people want to believe something so badly that they want to believe it that they'll turn an eye 
right? Then you have people that want to abuse that belief so that they can have control and power and dominance over others, right? Right. right. Now, in, in like a cult situation, somebody will, um, you know, a lot of times the people at the top are abusive to others because they're in it for the power, the dominance, the control. The other people want something that they can believe in so that they can feel some kind of control in their life. They can feel like they're contributing to something. They can feel like they have control because they don't have to think about certain things. It's established for them by this other person or this other group or this community. Right. And so I think that's kind of the interplay there. And those people allow that, you know, the Charles Mansons of the world or whatever to, like, lead them into doing some pretty bad shit. Because we were mentioning, you know, how the Nazis were able to get away with so much. And then people would, and, and I love the example that you gave, which is a horrendous one about, yeah. um, and I forget, I do forget that guy's name now, but the one that would kill the parents first so he could legitimize killing the children. Yeah, um, yeah. But in his mind, he was doing a greater good, but he was also doing it for an institution for a mad dictator. Yeah. And if you follow the patterns, even like the Church of Scientology and L. Ron Hubbard, that's another great example. Yeah. You know, we have these examples in our government and in, in even interpersonal small relationships. We'll see people treat people like crap at restaurants I used to work at just so that they could get a position over that other person and have that title and feel important. Yeah. It's terrible. That's that's the it's crazy thing. Yeah. Wanting to be in a group. Yeah, it's this desperation to want to be in a group for some people and then others it's rampant um sociopathic individualism. So it's kind of interesting that they interplay with one another. You know what's wild about that rampant sociopathic individualism too? I don't know anyone who's really pursued that and I know this is like all right, so personal anecdote, real good evidence here, but like I don't know anyone who's really pursued that who's been like super happy, you know. Like, like, like I, 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 that idea of you know being like the alpha, whatever, or being like you know just careerism for its own sake, as if like people are going to love you more because you became vice president, Kamala. I'm speaking to you, um, but it, it's to me, it's so like it's so. It really is disconnected from the, the the a lot of the times those people are looking for like a sense of accomplishment, a sense of like people liking them. All you really need to do to get all that is just be a part of your community in a real way, to care about other people, to look out for them too. And that stuff just kind of follows, right? So it's 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 I don't, there, there is a real, like, that stuff just, it's just wild, wild to me. Because you're right, the the degree, too, to which a lot of this sort of, how a lot of these people can become, not necessarily brainwashed, but there's there's like two forces pulling on them, or multiple forces pulling on them, right? Because, you know, in that Nazi example, too, it's not just that, he has to find a moral justification to himself to do this act. It's also sort of this implicit threat of not doing this act and what that means under the regime that he's under, under this, this dictator who has genocide on his mind and as his primary goal. So he's kind of, 
it's almost like a survival mechanism to some extent, right? And 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 you know, we can talk all day about how in war they they there's a necessary part of warfare that requires you to dehumanize your enemy if you're a normal human being because you can't be just out there killing humans. That's the kind of cognitive dissonance that that creates is just too much. It's too much for most people to handle. And it should be too much for most people to handle. It's a really heinous thing to do. So you constantly have to, you know, say these things that dehumanize the enemy. Oh, they're this, they're that, they're animals, they're blah, blah, blah. And, uh, you know, it's just. (sighs) Capitalism makes us dehumanize each other as well. Well, absolutely. For the sake of, for the sake of, you know, of capital and for the sake of capitalistic gains. So it's kind of similar, you know, because um, we are expected to take advantage of each other. And also to capitalism makes us almost like empathy. It's almost set up to to make us lack empathy for each other. Uh, are you telling me that capitalism is bad? Maybe. Oh no! <laughs> yes. Wait, wait, hold on, hold on, hold the fuck on, Zena. I am not. Hold on, give me two seconds. I gotta breathe. So, are you telling me that capitalism? doesn't like make us or doesn't prioritize us as people. <laughs> hmm, why, yes. Why so. didn't anybody tell me this? <laughs> why didn't, why didn't anyone in the chat tell me this? Why? How am I now just figuring this out? No, but I mean like, yeah, I, I, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of a bummer. <laughs> it's kind of a bummer. I'm not going to lie. I, 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 okay, so, so I guess Zaina, someone who's just, you know, I don't want to get too much into your, your personal situation or anything like that, you know, but as someone who has sort of recently gone through something and whatever it was that you were kind of on the receiving end of, of, you know, someone else's bad acts, and you still having empathy for the person. How has it felt to to sort of watch some of that play out publicly? And, and you know, how does that make you, has that really made you rethink restorative justice? Or, or I guess what's, what's the insider's perspective on, on how that's going right now? Oh. Uh rethought restorative justice but I have thought a lot about what you're talking about with the difference between individuals and institutions since this individual is using a national platform, a national institution to do this it's sort of like it's different, you know, than just an individual, like, or somebody who's just telling your friends, even though that can be really impactful so, um yeah, I think it's different. And, and you were talking about like institutions apologizing, but what do they do through my situation? I lost my job, you know, um, lots of things happened. I don't want to get too deep into it, but the, the whole point is like, how do you even restore that? How do you come yeah. to the point when you're, when it's an institution and you're a worker or you're a human that has to live under certain policies or 
rules or they've broken the policies and rules and laws that are supposed to protect us, just, you know, like the police do or like corporations do to workers all the time. How do you navigate that? And we don't really have resources as individuals to navigate when the system does us wrong. And, you know, even I'm a leftist, so even in the leftist spaces, I've seen this time and time again. It's not just in, you know, it's it's everywhere because it's kind of pervasive in our society. But I do, to answer your other question, I do still believe, I do believe in restorative justice. I believe that that's an important factor, but I think before restorative justice, there needs to be justice. And oftentimes now, you know, there's sort of this jump immediately to restorative justice. But before you can get there, there has to be justice. There has to be steps taken to rectify the situation and lessons learned on the part of the person or institutions that, that did it. There 100%. Accountability, because if there's not accountability, restorative justice has no meaning. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. So I guess saying that we got to go find whoever did this and smack them up a little bit, right? No. Just go I give them a couple that. smacks. <laughs> No, Zayna, Zayna, let's, Zayna, let's go fuck him up just a little bit, just a baby, just a baby amount, okay? Just a whittle, you know. We're not gonna go hard, just you know. But um, but, but accountability, even in our own spaces, our own circles, among our own peers, right? You know, it's it's important. You know, right. we don't have to be purist about things, but on certain issues, accountability is is really important. Even yeah, if you feel in your mind that it's the greater good. And and hiding it or brushing something terrible under the rug is for the greater good. It's never. That's never the case. That's how tyranny reigns, is by pushing something under the rug for greater good. Yeah. Yeah, I, too, have dealt with HR departments. So I that hiding under the rug stuff uh, happens more often than, than people know. And it's, it, it's never good. And it's usually, you know, to protect the interests of the company or protect whoever. And... Without that kind of accountability, like you're saying, uh, can allow them to just keep on going uh, and the abuses to keep being perpetuated. But, uh, Zaina, thank you so much for calling in. That was excellent. Excellent call. Um, full marks. Full marks, people. Uh, all right. And next up, we got uh, Thomas, who I asked to call in because I saw you active down there in the chat. How are you doing, Thomas? Good. Good, good. Uh, give me like three seconds. I'm trying to find okay. my way back into the uh, end of the the Long matrix room. yeah yeah, yeah no, no. get in trying, there trying baby. to find my way back into the uh, right page on the app i was sifting through the calendar looking at upcoming shows okay so. cool what else is coming up anything good oh uh, there was uh, an interesting one uh, about i guess there is a missing amendment from the constitution that they're gonna somebody's gonna be doing a show on that and uh, oh a, a missing days. amendment okay interesting that possibly was ratified but then basically got removed from the from the uh uh, from the records, the equal protection amendment, or no, 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 no. Oh. I suppose uh, it's what they're claiming is is that there was a uh, an amendment um, passed right at the cusp of the Civil War that would have banned lawyers from uh, from from office. <laughs> oh man, they fucked up with that and one. Then, didn't and, they? Then, and then and then over the pro- oh, and then over over the. Uh, over the uh, over the course of the Civil War, it, it got mysteriously uh, uh, it mysteriously disappeared from the. Uh, Ooh! Uh, oh, I wonder how. 
but yeah. but you know but we're still left on a handful of state uh, state documents that have come that have oh, been on our hilarious and I bet so, it was like, yeah. Anyways, so, uh, so Donnie, it's, I think the show's Donnie the Dawn, uh, the constitutionalist. She's going to be doing a, doing a, a show on that. I was reading the attached article that goes along with it and I, I was like, oh, this is funny. This is hilarious. Yeah, so. that's interesting. That's interesting. I haven't heard of her. I, I see her doing shows and stuff every once in a while, but I think one of them was like Doomsday Preppers or something, and I was like, I don't know if I. Yeah, uh, yeah, she's she's uh she's a bit more on the right. Uh, she's a bit more right and libertarian, but okay. but it's interesting sometimes some of the some of the takes that she has. It's, yeah, uh, yeah. Well, yeah, uh, you definitely have to let me know if you listen back on that one. But uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so so, anyways, though, uh, as to our current topics, our yes, yes, yes. <laughs> um. But, uh, yeah, no, as I mentioned in chat, because I know you were talking about, like, you know, determinism and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if you've ever, uh, did you, uh, did you ever follow when they found out, uh, that logic is fundamentally incomplete? Ooh, no, I did not, but I'm ready to have my mind so, blown. So, so, yeah, yeah, so, so actually go look it up. Um, uh, all right, the, classical you know our, our mathematics that we represent logic with you know yeah um and our you know basically our, our logical mathematics um uh, oh. and it doesn't matter it, it doesn't matter what you pick uh whether it's you know um you know uh fuzzy fuzzy logic or other stuff like that we have um like uh, how, how do i call it I, i'm trying to remember the, the the traditional names for it it's uh there's you have logic there's um uh, what what is the one that deals with um all and every and single modifier? I don't remember. It's been it's been it's been like five it, you know ten years since I've had a, a proper logic a proper logic course. Yeah, sure. Um, in yeah. college, but 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 there's several different ways of uh, there's in the same way like we have arithmetic and uh, right. calculus and uh you know um uh. You know, and we deal with things like derivatives and partial derivatives and all kinds of fun stuff. You know, there's different, right. there, there's different, um, uh, maths, air quotes. And the same thing applies too to logic because logic is, is a type yeah. of math. Jay is saying um, ontology. Ontology? Is that it? Maybe? Ontological? It might be ontology, yeah. Um, so, so point being though is, is what, what, what they, what, what, uh, what math, mathematicians put together was, is they, they, they decided to prove that logic was complete, that there, it, oh. it, 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 that there isn't anything fundamentally missing. Yeah, it, I remember hearing about and, that. And they, and they proved that logic is, at its, by its very nature, will always be incomplete. Yeah, yeah. And it, I, it doesn't I, matter what additional discoveries we make in that field in terms of like the fundamental science of how the mat- logical math works – by its very nature, it will always be incomplete. And I can't remember, there was some kind of mathematician who did this, right? Like some kind of... Um, yeah. Uh, he used like these different boxes or something. I forget what he was mm-hmm. doing. He, I, I, I saw like, I think I saw a YouTube video about it a while back. Um, but, God, I wish so, I could remember. It's it's like, this statement is false or something about that. It's like, has something to do with that, right? Like... Um, I, I think I think I, I don't I don't remember the uh, the exact name yeah but but and then pair that with the fact that we do know that on the quantum level when it comes to quantum mechanics um, 
you know, quantum mechanics are not deterministic, which, you know, that, that, you know, caused, you know, physicists the world over to lose their proverbial bat shit when that, when that was first, you know, figured out. Um, yeah. Because, you know, everybody was, you know, back at that point in time, you know, everybody was of the school of, oh, well, everything must just, you know, that, you know, if we know all the information and of a system that, you know, the result is guaranteed and then quantum, you know, uh, non-determinism and quantum mechanics came in and just, you know, shat on everybody's lunch. And so, <laughs> nice. so that, so, so, so between, between those two factors, the fact that, you know, between the fact that logic is incomplete and quantum mechanics are non-deterministic, right? You know, I, I think you have a fairly solid argument for human will existing. Um, and 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 remember, you know, uh, you know, thought, uh, you know, uh, how we think, how we process information, how we observe reality—all that's based on electrical signals. You know, um, so here's an interesting and, 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 uh, yeah. and electrical signals operate on the quantum level. <laughs> so. so here's that's a, that's an interesting point. So so if we take a deterministic view or a determinist view of uh, you know like human action, okay, well they don't really determine their actions in a fundamental way. Therefore, it doesn't really make sense to to punish them. And therefore, maybe forgiveness is something that's sort of necessary here. Um, so uh, if you have that view, you can kind of look at justice like that, or at least like individual acts of justice in a way of like, well, they're not responsible. So therefore, why are we punishing? But then there's the other aspect of it, too. So if we go with um, let's everything you just said, let's just say fundamentally disproves determinism. I'm not sure if it does or doesn't yet, but let's just, we're doing this hypothetically, right? So. Well, I, I have, uh, I have other examples too, but, but, but go ahead. I have, so, uh, I have one other example you might find. So let's assume, let's just assume free will itself okay. exists and people can use it. And that means when people do something bad, they're really choosing to do something bad. They're really choosing that. Does that mean that, does that make the act of them then, since there's the choice of doing it, does that make the act of them choosing to repent and choosing to change afterwards more meaningful? And therefore, does that also warrant some aspect of forgiveness? I think so. But the question is, is are they going to relapse into their existing behavior? And that's true. Have they, yeah. actually, have they actually done something to show that, you know, they want to make amends with the person that they've harmed, you know, in some form of fashion. I think there has to be, you know, it, it, it's a, it's a credibility argument. Is there, is there, you know, repentance, uh, credible really? Um, do, do they feel, you know, uh, do they actually, you know, feel sorry for their actions and want to, you know, change themselves isn't that isn't that really interesting how i noticed this too when i was uh you know again researching general butt naked but part of what my i guess reluctance to forgive or what what would make me more willing to forgive him is 
an understanding of his internal state. Does he feel bad for what he did? You know, can you internally see that he feels bad? Because all we can really see are the manifestations of his actions, right? What he's done since, what he said. But there's part of me, I want to get into the bones. I don't really want to get too much into those bones because those bones are fucked up. But I want to get in there to, you know, like, I want to see, like, when I feel bad, I feel it. You know, like, I feel it in my gut. I feel it in my chest. I I feel it, you know, when I'm lying awake at night being like, fuck, man, I can't believe I did that. Like, I'm so, I really hurt them or I really did this or, you know, yada, yada, yada. I, like, where, that to me, isn't it funny how I have this desire and we seem to have this desire to want to know if people feel that internal state before we actually proceed with like forgiveness, right? Why is that an important part of it? Do you think? I think, I think, uh, forgiveness is, um, equally, uh, uh, as much for the individual seeking it as the one giving it. I think, you know, to forgive somebody also means to no longer try to be bound emotionally and mentally by, what had happened in the past. Yeah. You know, you're, you're, you're letting it go to a certain extent. You're not, you know, you're, I wouldn't even call it letting go. I think it's moving past. Um, and you know, so I, I think, you know, some, some, some argument could be made on the mental health front about the good, you know, what, what is, you know, is forgiveness actually good for your mental health long term? Um, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, uh, that's, that's one thing I neglected to mention at the start, but, um, and I was going to get more into it, but I honestly ran out of time to do research, but I was coming across a lot of studies that are showing the sort of the practical effects, uh, that forgiveness has on the well-being of people who engage in it on their, you know, general happiness levels on their ability to function, uh, on, the degree of forgiveness that they give being tied to those uh, parameters, you know, the parameters of their happiness and their ability to function and their ability to move past things. And there is, there does seem to be, um, I'm sure there are a lot more tests and everything that can be done, but there does seem to be a real psychological benefit to forgiving people. Um, It does seem to have some, at least some of the research I was uh, looking at, does seem to have some real practical sort of effects to the person who's forgiving their well-being, right? Correct. And it, it also, uh, I think it also can lead to, uh, increased sympathy with people too. Yeah. Um, Oh yeah. And, uh, so I, I do think that the psychological underpinning can't, you know, it it can't be uh, avoided either. I, uh, that's why I, I think, as I said, you know, it's, it's, I think it's both, you know, it's, it's for the, it's for the, for the, it's for both parties in the situation. Um, and the, uh, you know, I think all human beings are, you know, we all make mistakes. Um, and you know, some are more egregious than others. Um, and I think, you know, it's one of those things where, um, you know, I, I don't think there's going to be ever a hard and fast rule at the end of the day for these things. Um, 
you know, we've made it, you know, thousands of years without having to forgive every single thing that every person has ever done. Um, yeah, and, true. And so I think, you know, the, you know, I, I think, you know, the safest thing to say is, is, you know, you know, we, people should seek forgiveness. People should seek to, you know, um, repent for what they do and to, to, to rectify harms. But I don't think we should ever have an expectation that we're going to always receive it. Oh, a hundred percent. A hundred percent. I don't think, I think, but to me, like, um, forgiveness itself. I, I think it's, it's nice has value. Yeah, I think for sure. For sure. Value. And, and yeah. like, like the thing is like when I, when I speak of, you know, maybe a lot of this too should have been talked about repentance because there are people, you know, that I've wronged that have not forgiven me, I'm sure. And I, I move through not sort of depending on their forgiveness, but understanding that what I did was wrong and that I want to be different from now on. I never want to wrong mm-hmm. someone like that again. And that to me also has a lot of value, right? The, I don't ever expect anyone who's been a victim of something, especially as heinous as the stuff that general butt naked was doing. Um, which is, I know, every time you say his name and then you're like, he ate children's hearts. It's like, the name is funny, though, right? The the rest of it is terrible. But I, I, what's the name? The South Park creators um, in the Book of Mormon actually based the general off of him. And they oh, called him, God. yeah, they called him general. They called him general butt fucking naked, which is objectively hilarious, right? It's great. Um, that is hilarious. But again, this motherfucker is did some of the most evil shit that's probably ever happened on on Earth. Um, I'm I'm willing to put him up there. Well, uh, there's also an argument to be made for you know the mental health and the reintegration of an individual too into society, who is seeking forgiveness as well too. Because you know if they're if that you know it's you know, they could end up keeping that with them for the rest of their lives and that yeah. potentially could stunt their their them being an effective member in the society. A hundred percent. And I think that goes back... But, 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 but yeah, that's, not to, that's not to give them room, though, to, to say, oh, well, you know, we need to... You know, that, that, that I don't want to get into necessarily the argument of, well, well, you know, uh, because that, that centers... That's obviously that line right. of reasoning center the... Uh, the uh, the, 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 the person the, the, the perpetrator, yeah, yes, not, not, yes, not, not yeah, the victim, yeah, and, I, and right, I understand right, that. Right. But I'm just saying that that's a factor, too, is, is you know, if, if, if our criminal code should be focused on, um, you know, rehabilitation. Big time, then, yeah. then Then that, I think, is something to consider, at least. Yeah, well, I think... I think- and it kind of goes back to what we were talking about a little bit earlier, Thomas, and what um, actually uh, Zena says in the chat, too. Like, I, I think the assurance that the person has internalized the harm they caused, that that's an important part, right? Of, of, of I think that also ends up most of the time serving the victim. If the victim can understand, like, it, it's a lot easier to forgive someone when you genuinely believe they they've understood the harm and they, they feel bad and they, they show genuine remorse. Right. Um, 
Yeah, Ubuntu, exactly. Actually, that's a good place to to move on to Rudy too. But Thomas, uh, can oh, I, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, go for it. Pitch in one more story that you might that might blow your mind. There was a okay. computer in the Netherlands that was controlling the voting uh, the voting rolls for an election. Okay, so they were it was it was con- not the voting rolls but the um the tally of okay. the votes. Yeah. And for the life of it, they didn't know why why it kept on adding a thousand and twenty four votes to a random candidate, um, randomly. And and they they did everything. They they they, they looked at uh you know how, how how were people entering the data? They were looking at uh you know they looked over every single line of code. Um, everything looked like it would work. You know completely. Um. They 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 decided to have one last test because they had scra- scraped the bottom of the barrel. They could not figure out why it was randomly adding 224 uh, votes to this this one candidate. They moved the computer to a different room, and it didn't add those candidates during the tallying process. Weird. It just so happened that where the computer was sitting, it was directly in line. For a, um, it was directly in the line of electrons being fired through space at high speed by yeah, some far yeah. off pulsar yeah. was changing a single computer bit in RAM. Yeah. And so yeah. imagine all the, all the cosmic radiation that we experience on a daily basis sure. that is affecting, you know, our minds, our brains, you know, this complex circuitry, neurocircuitry that we have. Um, and so I, I, you know, yet another sure. example for for why I think you know there is human will as well too. I, th- that's interesting. I, w- I would almost think that's a argument against human will because you know if a fucking electron's making me be a dick, then uh, you know that I shouldn't be to blame for that. Um, but that that is Fair. interesting. I've heard of similar things happening with um, like. Um, Video games, whenever a single bit is flipped in one way or another, some kind of glitch will happen in the game, which will, uh, you know, cause it to function differently or cause your character to teleport somewhere. And it's it's just something, you know, just those cosmic rays. It's super rare, but when it happens, it's uh, it's always but, pretty interesting. Yeah. Well, as my point, though, you know, there's a, there's a natural randomness in, in the universe. Um, that can occur, and maybe it may not be, or it, a natural randomness to how we experience the universe is a better way to put it. And so, and so, yeah, that may that may make an argument for determinism, but at the same time, we can't. I don't think we'll ever be able to say with one hundred percent certainty that we can, uh, you know, we can observe humans in a completely deterministic manner. We can't treat humans deterministically. Yeah, that's interesting. That's interesting. And Jay's got a a good bit here in the chat about, um, I wonder if I should read this out. John Surreal? I'm not, I'm not, um, familiar with this guy, but, um, the quote looks cool, so I'm gonna read it. Uh, says, as far as human freedom is concerned, it doesn't matter whether physics is deterministic, as Newtonian physics was, or whether it allows for an indeterminacy, at the level of particle physics, as contemporary quantum mechanics does. Indeterminism at the level of particles in physics is really no support at all to any doctrine of the freedom of the will. 
Because first, the statistical indeterminacy at the level of particle does not show any indeterminacy at the level of the objects that matter to us. So it really does look as if everything we know about physics forces us to some form of denial of human of human freedom. Sorry, interesting, about that. interesting. But um, that's, a, that's an interesting take. Yeah, no, yeah. Um, I mean, but you know, I'm too dumb and. I I have no fucking idea. Like I'm just sitting here, like, mm, yes, words, <laughs> nice. Like, <laughs> um, that is an interesting take, though. Um, in all seriousness, I think it's, ah, who knows, who knows, dude. But um, Thomas, thank you so much for calling in. I'm I'm sorry to compel you to call in, but I'm really glad you did, man. Yeah, thanks, thanks for having me. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's go to uh, Rudy. Rudy, what's going on? Hey, what's up, bud? How you doing? Ah, uh, you know, just shooting the shit, hanging out, Fred Hampton Inn Suites. <laughs> you know what I did not expect to be talking oh. about General Butt Naked. <laughs> <laughs> no one ever really expects to be talking about General Butt Naked, but somehow, <laughs> somehow, here we are, right? <laughs> I swear, 10 seconds before you said his name, I was like, no way this guy's going to say Butt Naked. Hell He's yeah. Butt Naked. That that dude is fascinating. I yeah. I I did spend some time thinking about his transformation, whether it's real or not, and you know the forces that sort of led it. At some point, I thought, what a beautiful thing that like Liberia could export to the rest of the world. You know, be, finally, like Africa's got something that he could teach the United States, kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Would you ex- expand on that a little bit? Well, what could it teach? Well, I thought this. I thought the problem in the United States. One of the problems is that we haven't really figured out how to deal with our past, and so hmm. you know we haven't settled our score with black people. We haven't settled our score with Native Americans, and I thought, well, Liberia seems to have like grown up and dealt with its issue head on and i thought maybe we could learn how to um how how, how do i say it um how to um, come together and reconcile reconcile that's the word i'm looking for yeah and you know and I I don't remember if it was that documentary from Vice that was talking about the reconciliation process or if i looked any farther but like one of the things that i came out with was well you could basically wage a war against these people who have like learned how to kill people a thousand ways yeah um you know make them desperate enough to grab their arms again and like just terrorize everybody once again but that's no good for anybody right so then that was like one of the reasons why everybody was just like you know Let's just come together because, and also, we're talking about so many boys. You know, like if you're gonna condemn so many boys to whatever, yeah. then you're not gonna have much of a workforce. Liberia is gonna yeah. be stuck. Well, and fast. the thing is too, like so many of those boys, like emphasis on the boy part. I mean, a lot yeah. of these people were inscripted into these armies, these rebel armies, or these, you know, the military. As children, they were child soldiers, you know, like, that's the thing that's crazy is when you look up like General Buck Naked, I mean, mm. he was in the first Liberian Civil War. This happened in 89 
through like 1990, like late 90s, um, right. maybe mid to late 90s, like 96, 97, something like that. Um, mm. General Butt Naked is only 50 years old. So, and the people, like, when you think about that, I mean, he was, he's a young guy during yeah. this time, right? And him and a lot of these people, like, when you see some of these former child soldiers, mm. you're like, oh, you're 33. Like, you're, you know, you're, you were literally a child at you the know, time that you were killing people and being forced to eat them and being in, forced to do these heinous acts, right? In in France, you get a discount on buses and trains until you're, like, 28, you know, because, right. like, you're sort of considered in your 20s still quite yeah. young. Right, in Spain, right. Joven, they say, like, for somebody who's even 30, they say, you're young, you know. Um, Dude, just, yeah. like, uh, imagine, like, I'm trying to think of what I was doing at, like, eight years old. I was probably, I was definitely playing video games and probably learning about Final Fantasy VII for the first time and becoming a, a perfect little weeaboo boy who loved, you know, I don't know, guys with big guns under their arms and big swords or whatever. You know, I'm just... Like I, I'm playing. You know, I don't. I I can't even think of like what I was kind of like at age eight. I mean, imagine <laughs> being. You get in, you know, that's when you get in trouble when you start to imagine yourself in their shoes. <laughs> right. I I mean, like it's, but it's difficult. Like I don't. I, I you know I know that movie Blood Diamond when it came out and everything, and you have to see his son who gets like in conscripted into this army and has to like kill people and stuff. But I mean, like, I do think there's like, cause what was going on during that war too? Just so people know, like a lot of these child soldiers, they'd be, they'd be abducted from villages, right? Right after all their families are killed, uh, right. their people raped, uh, their friends like eaten, you get put in front of the general who did all this stuff. And then he's basically giving you a gun and forcing you, like whipping you and forcing you to start doing this stuff. And then they're hopping you up on all kinds of fucking drugs mm -hmm. and getting you to just be a little killing machine. Like, that is fucking wild to imagine, really. It, it, it is like you don't – I don't really see a place for very much choice there. Uh, whether we have a determinist, uh, deterministic view or not, or free will or whatever, like th these kids didn't have a choice, right? And imagine coming up like, holy fuck! Like some of the people, you know, I don't want to like. If you if you've ever been friends with someone who has like one of those childhoods that just makes you realize that you did have a childhood, you know, like someone who's come up like in the streets somewhere, and they're like, yeah, I was selling crack at like nine and yep. was carrying a gun at 10 and you're like what the fuck are these words coming out of I'm your mouth like is this are these real sentences and i'm pretty sure my friend um from liberia his na his name is war child like togar it, it is fuck. like i'm pretty sure it is war child if it doesn't mean like you know child soldier um yeah but yeah holy shit I, I was I was thinking I was gonna, about I was going to make a war machine joke, but I I'm I'm just not yeah, going to do it. It might be insensitive. Like yeah. Is he the sidekick of War Machine? <laughs> That's fucking terrible. God, uh, I'm so sorry. 
I'm sorry, God. I'm I'm also sorry, Rudy. Okay, please keep just go. <laughs> it's just yeah, man. It, it's it's messed up. Um, I was thinking about the same thing, right? Um, when you were telling me that this is like your favorite story, actually, my favorite story is Bill Clinton saying that he's sorry for effing up the Haitian economy. I look at that and really? I'm like, what does that, how do you even just come out and apologize for fucking up Anika? Basically what he did was he dumped a bunch of Arkansas rice in Haiti and destroyed the um, Haitian rice industry. And at some point the U.S. pulled out and then Haiti basically just starved and yeah, the economy God. was fucked. And then, Clinton was like, well, I didn't know that, like, flooding. Isn't this what they blame? They say the Chinese do. Like, I didn't know that flooding your economy with, like, free rice was going to destroy your economy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't know devaluing your greatest economic export and, and moneymaker was somehow going to cripple your entire industry. But, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and so along the same lines, it was like, okay, well, the Pope is apologizing for this shit. And I'm um, like, what does that even mean? Are you going to give them money? Because the Pope still has a bunch of acres. Like, I'm pretty sure yeah. even in Canada, this dude got a bunch of acres. He's got a bunch yeah. of gold, you know. Yeah, so, they're definitely. I, I, I think that goes back to, um, I think Derek was talking about it, but the you know, when there's sort of an apology on behalf of an institution, there's a sort of like, fuck you, pay me response, right? There's this, Mm. what are you going to do to repair it now? Where are the reparations from it? To the extent that you can correct it, then do so. And I do think, you know, going back to Germany, the Germany example, post-World War II, is pretty, is a better example of that. You know, the reparations and everything they gave to Israel. And, you know, we can talk a lot about, like, you know, obviously Israel is not exactly a non-problematic place currently in the way that they do their politics and the way that, you know, they're kind of adopting a lot of our imperialism shit and, boy, oh, boy, it's not good. But the when it comes to, like, actually paying out reparations and trying to, I guess account for to make to make the victims of the Holocaust or at least people who were descendants of victims of the Holocaust whole. Um, Germany kind of did a lot of good stuff post-World War II. Um, and that's that's actually an interesting comparison, I think. Um, the degree to which they paid out reparations, the degree to which they funded certain programs and, you know, sort of no questions asked, yeah, we'll do it. Um, that would definitely make an apology. And I guess it goes back to what uh, Zeno was saying, too, about, um, you know, there needs to be some kind of recognition and acknowledgement. There needs to be justice before there can be restorative justice, right? Yeah. And I, I think with institutions, that probably applies even more, uh, especially when those institutions still have the means to enact or to to pay those reparations or to, to atone for those uh, sins in some way or another, right? Agreed. Can I tell you what this Liberian guy told me that sort of got me suspicious of the um, 
the reconciliation thing. Yeah. So Ellen Johnson Sirleaf, right? That was um, one of the more recent presidents before um, the the soccer player. It was her, and um, you know she was a woman, so there was a lot of sort of buzz about the progress of that. But Ellen was. It seems like she has like bloodied hands as well. So basically, this guy, General Butt Naked, wasn't working for himself. He was uh, working on somebody's agenda. And it seems that like once um, the war was over, you know, the political the political class was had its hands pretty bloodied, and even before that. So like basically, the criminals sort of forgave themselves. Yes, it. Like they needed to forgive the child soldiers, but then it's like, well, here you can't forgive the political class without forgiving the cops, I suppose. Um, yeah. Yeah. So basically, it, it's not this reconciliation thing that we, I well, I, that I thought it was. It seemed like it was just like a way to just continue with the status quo. And I suppose if there were two ways to go about continuing the status quo this is probably the better way yeah probably probably it's tough it's a tough question but i mean it's it's it's, yeah it is it is really effed up um but on um on other news we have like a macron going to uh, benin and he's gonna return some statues but the gold is still missing. Yeah. Well, you know, one step at a time, Rudy. <laughs> one step at a time. We're just going to take it one day at a time, baby. <laughs> and there's a, there's a Kenyan lady that's um, out for the Queen of England. And she says, well, her people got, she got tortured to reveal where her Mau Mau husband was. And that was like two years after the Queen had taken over. You know how old she is. Yeah. And the queen's got a, few, a billion acres, but we'll see what kind of trinket she's able to conjure up for this lady. How many acres did she get? The queen has a billion acres. A billion? Like with a, a billion, B? Yeah, a billion what acres. What the fuck? What does right. old bitch need all that land for? I swear. What's she going to be doing? Was that big. How do you have a billion acres on this? What you going to do with all that? Lady, well, listen, God damn. It's only normal, you know. Let that shit go. (laughs) But the Chinese, but the Chinese, oh my God, Vibes, you don't know about the Chinese, the Chinese. I don't know shit about the Chinese, but I know they're taking over every goddamn thing. Right, right. I'm I'm just saying. They're doing it. Their method of imperialism, too, is, well, I I take it, you're African, right? I was being sarcastic. I, I don't know. Yeah, oh, you do- oh, yeah. yeah, they're they're all up in Africa, dog. They're 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 expanding, and I and it remains to be seen whether that's going to be like a communal expansion of some kind, or whether it's going to be like a a wink wink nudge nudge form of imperialism. But they're they're showing up too. The the one of these days, whenever Shelley is around too, I do. I need to learn more about China, just generally. I've. I I will admit I am a bit like skeptical just because I'm I'm still coming out of like America I love America phase right, right. so I still I still have that America like deep in my heart and I know that's probably mm-hmm. most of 
my and most of what I probably know about China is probably propaganda. But I do know that some, at least in Nigeria and Ghana, mm. there's some good stuff, there's some bad stuff, but there's there's some stuff going on there too. And I, I'm as someone who Zambia, Zambia, Zan, what's going China's, on in Zambia too? China's they're, a second. They're all up there. China's a second. Um, Chinese is a second language in Zambia. Um, there's these pic, these these videos that come out from time to time that are that make me also like not like the Chinese. There's videos mm. of Chinese. Yeah, when they're just like beating the whipping, shit out of yeah, yeah whipping yeah. people and shit, mm-hmm, getting mm-hmm. real colonialist with that. Yeah, right, right. I'm always like, just beat his stupid ass. Like, just fucking whoop yeah. his ass. Like, yeah, what are you yeah, doing, it's, dog? It's crazy. Yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. I don't know how they do it in Zambia. I feel yeah. like in Senegal they wouldn't. It, it wouldn't work but, out so well. But those individual videos and stuff, too, I got to look at this from a policy stand. I got, I got to figure it out more before I, like, you know, pass any judgments or anything on it, too. But, you know, because... Can I, you know, oh, can yeah, I say ahead. on a policy? So I've listened to... There's um, a Liberian politician, ex-politician. Mm. So I think he was a fi- finance minister as well. So he has a similar story to Yanis Varoufakis, where he talks about, mm, um, you know, uh, renegotiating contracts with the Chinese and saying that net, you know, China is a positive. Hmm. Um, not saying that there haven't been, you know, sure, sort of, sure, yeah, you know, but basically so, he's saying net, it's a positive. And a lot of stories that you hear about, like, okay, well, the Chinese are bugging the UN and all of this stuff. You hear right. plenty of like the, the, the Americans doing that stuff. And oftentimes that's the worst thing that the, the Chinese have done. While Girl, the French, uh, 100%. 100%. I'm with that. Like I, I, I think that's where I need to learn more though too. Again, because the, most of the time my examples of what they're doing are those videos, are those like individual stories and not like from a policy standpoint. Because if there is some kind of partner, because look, everyone knows Africa is like such an untapped resource in so many ways. Right. So many right. ways. I mean, like the degree to, of smart Africans that we just have over here that and more that we can like bring and stuff like they're, they're untapped like people. Right. And it's and a lot of their condition now is because, you know, like. Sorry, sorry to the whites for a second, but white people kind of went in there did a bunch of fucking crazy shit mm-hmm. and then left. And now we've had to be like figuring it out since then. Quote, like, unquote, left. left yeah. Yeah. Kind of left in some <laughs> ways, you know, they're giving the statues back, right? And they're like, France right. is giving the statue, but you know, they ain't giving them motherfucking money back. Uh-uh. Could you imagine yeah. this guy flew in a plane and he's going to give what he took from, uh, from these people in you one know, plane. You, you'd need a whole lot of boats for that. Right. You need a whole lot of boats. Meanwhile, they, old Queen of England over here with her billion motherfucking acres. And, and then they'd be talking about, oh, you know, the European forests have come back. How did the European forests have come? Oh, no, it's not. The, the whole climate change isn't such a big deal. The European, Yeah, how did you guys get your forests back? Yeah. Where, yeah, where were you building? Like, whose hmm? forests were you using this whole where'd time? You get, like, where'd you get all that land for them forests, huh? Right, right. Where'd you get all that billion acres? Right. Miss Queen, I can't believe she has a billion acres. That shit, that fucked me up. But <laughs> anyway, Rudy, I, I, I always appreciate you calling in, man. It's, yeah. it's good to hear from you. You got any parting thoughts, parting shots you want to give off? or? Um, 
Yeah, you know, actually, I, I had something, but then you distracted me with the all you should. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we come here, baby. That's what it's about. So. All right, appreciate yeah, that. well, yeah, great hearing from you. Bye. Bye. Amanda, what's shaking? How you doing? Oh, go ahead and unmute yourself. Are you are you there? Oh no, she must have stepped away just momentarily. I'm sure she'll be back. I'm gonna put her back in the queue. Um, cause I always love to hear from Amanda. Let me go. Okay. I got to, hmm, remove from queue or what do I do? Take next caller. Hmm. This is a tough one. This is a test people. I wish I can play the, who wants to be a millionaire music. Okay. I'm going to do not remove from queue. I'm going to take next caller. Oh no. Fuck. <laughs> Amanda, just call call back. I'll, I'll whenever you can. I don't know. What'd you do? Just make her a speaker, man. Yeah, I know. But like, I like doing the whole like do it in order kind of thing. You know, like it, it's it's. I think it's a little different. Spices things up. It gives people a chance to just. You know, you're just having a one on one, like ba bam ba bam. But yeah. Uh, but welcome back, Derek. What's going on? You uh, got got some more to say? Yeah, probably. I like talking too much. Um, I was going to say, you got to look out for Rudy's sarcasm because he, you know, he's got that straightforward kind of, yeah. you know, uh, what's, what's the word, uh, you know, think- very sincere and, and sort of methodical way of expressing himself and thinking things through and you get yeah. caught off and all of a sudden he says something that's kind of dark. Yeah. He, he's got the same delivery. It's not even dry. It's just like the exact same delivery. Yeah. Kind of like kind of drops sarcasm in and then he walks away like uh, in a movie with a big explosion but it's not a big explosion it's more like one of those little fucking gadgets batman tosses behind his back and he fucks up people you know yeah kind of cool <laughs> i like his style i don't think yeah I yeah but like super measured you know in how he communicates so it makes sarcasm darker somehow to me it's cool yeah 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 i i i i dig it and he always brings really good perspectives on things too so um yeah there's that too sure yeah <laughs> yeah so um what else um do you have any other thoughts about forgiveness that you want to talk about or well, yeah, the... i'm just gonna be quick uh kind of yeah, like ask a vague sort of question i you know in in hearing about um, you know, this piece of shit in Liberia that was causing all kinds of fucking horrible shit to go down. Yeah. Um, I was like, you know, in the past, I, I'm sure I read something about this. I, I don't recall that name though. Um, did he go by another name? Uh, general butt naked. Is that who you're talking about or which? Yeah. 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 Did you just want me to say General Butt Naked again? <laughs> no, no. I I just realized it sure sounds like it, though. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, uh, um, yeah, he was one of the... He gets brought up a lot because he was one of the most brutal. But that what's crazy about it is like the stuff that he was doing is not that uncommon during that time of the war. It was actually... Mm-hmm pretty i won't say it was the rule but it certainly was not the exception right and that's 
fucking terrifying. Um, And, you know, look, you can talk about all the different, like, warfare has never been glorious, despite how it's been depicted and romanticized. Warfare is always kind of hell. There's always, like, there's no, you know, people are always like, well, there's good soldiers who do stuff. There's always rape. There's always insubordination and, and the killing of innocents always in history. I, I don't know of a single uh, case where that stuff wasn't happening when warfare comes along because it's just fucking chaos. Um, not to excuse that it's happening, but just to sort of, you know, I do think this is, it's more of a real depiction of war in a lot of ways than I think we usually get. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I, I wonder if there's something kind of disturbing in the American psyche. I don't know about the rest of the world, how they think. I don't know. But I wonder if there's something kind of comforting for our culture, for our people in the States to, you know, from, from all sides, even the very empathetic, even the people that are sure adamantly against war. I wonder if, you know, in hearing about not just this story, but many other stories around the world, um, in our, in, in history, um, I wonder if there's something darkly disturbingly comforting in kind of having these dramatic sort of, you know, examples to point to, uh, to feel separate from the, the monstrosities that are committed, um, in those various examples. You know, I mean, how, how far removed should we feel from, uh, general butt naked and the, the things that, that you were describing that he has done, um, you know, like recruiting kids. I mean, why aren't we pointing at uh, these recruiters that come into high schools and start trying to convince kids at what, like 15, 16, 17? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're starting mm-hmm. to. I mean, look, it, it's, that, it's, know? it's depressing. And, and, and I, I, when you say how far removed we are, I think one thing, you know, we've talked about a lot tonight, but one thing that we haven't, or one thing that, I think we've kind of come to somewhat of an agreement on just generally is that people are not that far removed from general butt naked or from Nazis or from any of this. Uh, Like it's, it's not like he's some, he's made of the same stuff as we are, you know? And I, 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 people, you know, people have this tendency to want to distance themselves from the worst parts of humanity. They want to say, Oh, that guy was, uh, you know, an animal. He was this and that. And I think that's really missing the point. And it's, it, it, we do that to, you know, probably protect ourselves in our psychologies, right? We don't want to think that we're capable of being general butt naked. But is that what we're doing, you know? Or, or are we making things worse as we distance ourselves and tell ourselves? I think, that yes, yes. These things I, where, where, you know, I mean, look at the body count. Yeah. Uh, 
I don't know what uh, General Butt Naked had to offer in terms of a body count, but I guarantee that the U.S. can compete. Yeah. Him, personally, thousands. And he's come out and said that. Thousands and thousands that he killed, which is fucking insane to think about. Is and, And the U.S., too. Like, you know, I do think, well, first, when you say, should we? Should we distance ourselves from him? I say no. I say we should try to personalize these things and be close to them as much as possible. Not the acts, but we shouldn't try to distance. We need to to fully sort of reconcile what we have the capability of doing. We need to acknowledge that we have those capabilities within ourselves. And I think that's an important part of stopping and also of understanding that like um, when these things happen – I think it makes us it, it, it makes us much more likely to confront them head on, knowing what we know about the capacity for normal people to engage in these things and for these things to spread and you know all of that. Um, right. And then as for uh, uh, the last point I'll make real quick is is the um, one thing with General Butt Naked is you know when he's doing these killings, it's not like he has bombs or anything. So he's He's getting pretty up close and personal with guns, um, with, you know, hands. And I do think there is something to that is especially chilling about the way that America and more modern nations with modern military um, potential in ways that they commit warfare and how depersonalized it is. And I think that's a little that's probably bad for us in the long run. If we're, if we're, I mean, it's obviously bad because we're fucking killing people. Right. But it's as far as the ability to just press a button and make a drone, kill 10,000 people and then go home and take a little nap and feel fine. And, you know, eat some cheese and, you know, drink some wine and not even understand, not have to see the blood, not have to see the destruction that you caused. I think is terrifying. That is a that is how you can make people do war and do I it for longer. I killed some folks with some drones, and then you get an audience of people that think they're humanitarians to chuckle. Yeah, I mean it's. You know? Oh, did that happen? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it probably has. Obama. Yeah. Oh, oh, okay, I mean, okay. I, I could go on and on with yeah. uh, comparisons with the Republicans, but I mean, it, yeah. like the two examples that make me think of this sort of phenomena. Our Obama with that moment, and then uh, Hillary Clinton when she said she yeah. didn't have a problem with, you know, like what? What'd she say? Half a million, five hundred thousand? Yeah, she's children for real being psychopath. She's, we came, we saw, they died, and then she's just laughing. It's like, what the fuck, dude? What kind of evil? That like, what's going on in there, Hillary? Are you okay? Like, are you? Are you? Has anyone checked on Hillary lately, just to see what's? I mean, that kind of shit, that, you know... I, yeah, it's, it's not just that, it's the cackle that came afterwards. Yeah, wow. yeah, Dang. it was, it, it, you know, it's pretty wild, but... Uh, see, we have some other repeat callers in the call, so I'm going to move on. Nope. But Derek, thank you so much, man. Again, uh, a lot to think about. And uh, Zayna, is it? It's Zayna, right? Yeah, okay. yeah, Okay. Cool. Works. 
<laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> That's like right the on. short. It's Zainab. She's Muhammad's daughter. But Zainab. Zainab. Okay, like cool. The Americanized short. So they spell it Z-A-N-A, but it's like the same name. It's like Dan and Dan. You know? Oh, I see. Okay. Or like Michael and Michael. No, there's no, there's only one Michael. I don't. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, I saw you're saying a lot of really good stuff in the chat. Um, Sounds like you have a lot more to say about, about this topic. Well, I was, I was kind of in the vein of thinking of what you and um, Derek were just talking about and thinking about, you know, the criminalization of individuals how we're like set up to criminalize individuals. It's so interesting. You know, everyone was glued to the, you know, Amber Heard, Johnny Depp trial. Everyone's glued to, you know, these, you know, back in the day, like John Benet Ramsey and, um, Oh, that other one. I can't remember where the three-year-old kid went missing. Casey Anthony trial. Casey Anthony. Yeah, that's it. And stuff like that, you know, where it's like individuals, OJ Simpson, of course he was a celebrity, but the point is that, you know, when we look at that, you know, we have mass incarceration in this country, right? People in jail for carrying just barely any weed on them still sitting in there, even though weed's illegal and and probably the state that they were arrested in now, they're still sitting in jail. So like the criminalization of activity is really individualistic based, but yet we have literally a mass murderer for president, a mass murderer. I mean, somebody that is responsible for voting yes to the Iraq and, um, Afghan wars and almost all of our Congress and almost all of our representatives voted yes to the Iraq and, and the mass wars. And then in Texas, they're talking, they were talking about forcing that 10 year old girl to give birth, you know, and she could, yeah. she could die during that. She could die, but the institution is forcing her, not an individual, not, you know, what happened to her was because of an individual, but the institution could first force her death. That's extreme. And, When I think about that and I think about like, you know, how white collar crime, um, people weren't prosecuted for the housing crash in 2008 that caused people, hundreds of thousands of people to go homeless. Um, Nestle never paid in as far as like a company goes, they never got in trouble for, um, sending baby formula to Africa and telling people to do that instead of breastfeed, but never sending them clean water along with it. Cause clean water would be too expensive. Yeah. Um, it's so when from it the company to- too, that also wants to privatize water sources and profit exactly. off of it, right? Like fuck you, Nestle. Yes. And then and then big pharma, you know, we've got the opioid addiction, which is big pharma's fault, but we're not doing anything about it. So it's like institutions are forgiven. Like Pfizer, we're like, oh, Pfizer, thank you for the vaccines. And I know everybody has a ton of different feelings about that, but I'm talking about the mainstream media, you know, or we're like we're like talking about Biden like he's a normal individual when, like I said, he was deporter in chief was locking kids in cages before Trump even got into office and set up the infrastructure that allowed the next president to do what he did. But we just forgive these people like, oh, you mass murder bomb dropped on like 100,000 people. Cool. We'll vote for you. But when it comes to individuals, we'll send somebody to jail for having some coke on them. So it's like, uh, to me, our humanity. Oh, go ahead. What were you saying? No, I I think that's uh, go ahead and complete uh, because I'm just saying, yeah, I'm just agreeing. 
Okay. Um, I can, I can ramble sometimes. I, I'm on the spectrum, so I'll go. So yeah, interrupt anytime. But, uh, Damn, humanity- the spectrum's pretty fucking awesome then. Keep going. <laughs> Hell yeah. Oh, Let's God. go. <laughs> Keep that going. Okay. But, I, um, yeah. humanity, you know, in our forgiveness, it's like, we're able to forgive these institutions if we feel like we can believe in them. We're a- able to forgive the Catholic Church if you're a Catholic, you know, which is some of the things that you were talking about. And, you know, when I was reading and I hopped on the call, um, despite them covering up, you know, heinous acts, heinous acts against children and the church just systemically covering it up, people are able to forgive that. They're able to not hold accountability for the individual sometimes that did it just like you were talking about the Nazis. And so where does it, where do we draw the line in the sand as people and say, no, you're inhumane treatment of us globally. You tearing the earth apart. Um, the fact that, you know, yeah. our food sources are dwindling because of climate change and you've ravaged this planet and stuff. And then we draw the line in the sand and we start focusing on them Instead of us focusing on judging each other as humans, like, and why are we giving them empathy when they're horrific sociopaths and psychopaths, but we, you know, love the arc of, you know, the individuals who overcome massive cruelty, like you're talking about the the butt naked general or whatever his name is. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. that's actually his name, just with the general in front. That was his, okay. uh, yeah. general, general butt naked. That's, That's right. right. Yeah. So we're not we we're we're incapable of seeing the humanity in each other's. And then we're looking for this humanity in these celebrities or these institutions that don't deserve it. It's very confusing to me. It, it's it's this is such a fascinating point in so many ways. Zainab, Zainab I will say um, it's a fascinating point because. A lot of these people, you know, do have blood on their hands. They they really do. Um, I think Biden is one of them. There are plenty of other people, and there are some people who have more blood on their hands than Biden does, for sure. But he's one of them. Uh, but when we see that and we say, well, wh- why don't we – how come they don't even seem to have to ask for forgiveness? It's because I do think a lot – of, I don't want to say politics generally. I'll say this. People like Biden have been wrong and done bad things at the right times. And I don't mean right times morally. I mean, they followed the zeitgeist, baby. They followed the, you know, the war on drugs stuff. You know, no one wants to take responsibility for their votes in perpetrating the war on drugs. But they thought they could get votes from it. They thought people wanted to be tougher on crime. And to be honest, they did. But they never thought, is this really good policy? And that is one of the things that terrifies me the most about politicians generally, is they will make, they will vote in ways that they don't actually know the policy they don't they don't they haven't actually scrutinized the idea itself they just think that it will make them more popular at the time and will maybe help their careers 
or help them stay in office or all of that. And, you know, we were talking a little bit about this earlier, Zaina, when we were talking about the, the rampant sort of careerism and individualism and, and accolades that people seem to be chasing hard under capitalism. And look, not all of it is attributable to capitalism, but capitalism definitely incentivizes that type of behavior heavy, right? Like definitely rewards that type of behavior a lot more um, than certain other systems. And it's, I do think there is something more profound about someone like General Buttnaked who seems to be repenting in some sense of his own accord. One thing about General Butt Naked is they had a truth, they had the Liberian um, Truth and Reconciliation Commission. And this was in 1996, I believe, or no, 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 no. This was in 2008. Um, where it was like the South African Truth and Reconciliation Commission, where people who were part of that system, who were part of the crimes, came before basically a court and just said what they did. And this guy went up before that court and said, hey, I killed at least 20,000 people. Fucking insane. But before this commission, he had been... 10 or 20 years um, being a, uh, converted to Christianity and, and living for about 20 years before this, living ref- in, in a reformed way, you know, trying to run these clinics for people. So it's hard to say, did he just turn on a dime for this Truth and Reconciliation Commission for the chance to be, uh, you know, exonerated. It's, there's something more profound, I think. Like, look, if, if Biden had, after, after some of the votes that he's had, had just straight up come out and said, I was wrong and I, I hurt a lot of people by doing that. I think that would be kind of a profound thing to do. But it, those are just words. What's he they're going just words. What they're... does he take after that to fix it? Like if Alex came out, sorry, yeah. if ALC came out, you know, and... Um, oh, she's Alex to you? Yell her buds? I was, yeah, actually. I was her press okay. director. Okay. Um, oh, no way. Oh, I was just being a dick. Hell yeah. Okay, let's go. <laughs> I sometimes said, forget. I didn't mean that in any kind of weird way. I just forget. Um, no, no, yes, that's cool. Yes, so I don't mean to call her that in like, you know, when I'm like speaking, but sometimes I forget. But no, let's just do it. Out, She's Alex now. Okay. If Alex comes out, <laughs> you know, my well, homie we Alex. We called her AOC because it was easy to shorten on yeah. the file that we yeah. had her name on. So we shortened her at Brand New Congress to just AOC. Um, and that's where it kind of started. So, but yes. Okay. So um, if AOC came out tomorrow and she was like, okay, um, you know, I know my office said that we're not focusing on Medicare for all right now. We're going to focus on it. And here's the 10 point plan we're going to do. And then she went actually went and did it. I wouldn't be mad at her if she said, OK, you know, I gave all this money to corporate 
Democrats, which is something that I called her out for. I, you know, not going to do this this cycle. You know, it was wrong. And then she actually did something about it. Yeah. But I think that there has to be some level of heat and accountability. And we, the way that it works in politics, because I was in it for eight years, I know, and I only worked with small dollar non-corporate candidates that were challenging the establishment. But I saw some of them like AOC, the squad, you know, Cori Bush. And I loved Cori. God, when Cori won, I cried my eyes out because I was like, finally, a Ferguson fighter. You know, Cori's going to be a badass because I knew her. I knew her as a human, you know, very, very well after working with her for five years. Yeah. Um, But then she got up there and the system just totally, she changed. Well, the system is not, yeah, it it won't allow people to be, yeah, you know, the, the rebels but it won't allow time, people to be like no activists right and if no one's willing to stand up against it though it's going to perpetuate so and and i i don't even i'm not even loving politics anymore i don't even think that that's the solution like i think it's incremental you know but that's a whole other discussion but as far as the forgiveness angle i think there's some people that we really have to hold to accountability because it we have to look not just individualistically, but as a community, is it impacting our community? Yeah. Is their actions impacting our daily lives? Is it causing suffering? At yeah. that point, it's different than forgiving somebody, you know, it's different than forgiving somebody for something stupid that they said and giving them a learning moment, you know, right, um, right, like canceling somebody for murder is different than canceling for somebody <laughs> for something bigoted that they said that they didn't understand was bigoted. Yeah. I think those are two very different things. And we have to realize the difference, you know, because some people yeah. are more mad at someone for saying something that they think is bigoted, which sure they should catch heat for it. That's part of the First Amendment. But then they are like Biden being a mass murderer. And I'm like, where's the cognitive dis- dissonance here? Again, that's I think a lot of the it's a good it's a great point. Right. And Biden should totally be canceled for murder. OK, totally cancel him now. But the. The depersonalization of so much of America's violence really scares me. It, it that's that's what I'm talking about. Like, look, it's no. I remember when, and one reason why I think Julian Assange needs to get the fuck. Like, we he should be pardoned. He should not be in jail. I I remember the impact that the collateral murder tape had on me and on a lot of people. And for those of you who are too young to remember or who weren't around or don't remember, but this was in the early days, I think of Iraq and our war in Iraq. Um, Julian Assange, while he was with WikiLeaks, was able to obtain some tapes showing a U.S. military helicopter um, firing and engaging and killing what at the time, they thought were terrorists, but were just, you know, brown people living. <laughs> you know, I think it was like a news crew or something. They had like a camera or something. I, I can't remember exactly what, but they thought it was some kind of grenade launcher. The, you know, you can hear them all on the tape. It's a, it's a terrible eight minutes. I think it's eight minutes or so. It's And you just see them, this military van with this like, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 like camera from the helicopter. It's all black and white and shit, and you're just kind of killing them. They're just killing these people. 
and there were kids in that van who were injured from it, and they killed, I forget how many people, but when that video leaked, I remember, I distinctly remember the conversations that started to happen around my household became much more anti-war. If you if you've ever spoken to anyone who was alive during Vietnam and the anti-war sentiment that started to really spread from that, well, there are a lot of reporters on the ground documenting that violence. There were a lot of people who were seeing firsthand how pointless and and bloody and just completely unnecessary all of these deaths were. And there's something to... There is something to experiencing that firsthand and seeing it, you know? There's something more profound about it because it, 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 it cannot allow you to depersonalize it in the same way that you would otherwise. So when you see people like Biden... Or these politicians, especially like Ted fucking Cruz, to me, is probably the worst example of it. Because every time I think of Ted Cruz, well, one of the worst examples to me, when he's talking about, I don't know if sand can glow in the dark, but we're going to find out. Like, you're out of your fucking mind. And it's become a game. It's become a game to him about... Let's use all of our military force, all these weapons I don't have to see, you know. Uh, let's have these helicopters and these planes drop bombs on people. We're talking about people, fucking people here, right? And you're talking about bombing that. Oh, where do you think people live, Ted? Like, do you think people don't live with families in homes, right? Like, you're talking about whether the sand will glow in the dark when it's, he doesn't even seem to connect the fact that he's advocating for people to get killed in mass. That's what he's doing. Like for anyone to be excited about war is a big fucking warning sign. Just so we're clear, right? Just so we know. Oh, I lost Zaina for a second. I'll, I'll Bring her back up real quick. I don't know if she was done, but that that's a fucking problem, though, right? So people, I think that disconnect is actually because people are so disconnected from the personalization of it. I mean, the last thing I'll say about General Butt Naked is he said that, so his conversion, why did he convert to Christianity, right? So he said that sometime in, um, I'm just going off his Wikipedia page here, but he's also got... Uh, you know, there's documentaries about him. It's it's really fascinating. I really suggest people just spend a night. You're going to be on YouTube anyway, doing whatever. Just watch it and just really try to understand this person and this event. And, and it's fascinating. But he said that his conversion came after he had a vision from God. Or I think Jesus appeared to him when he had the blood of a child on his hands. And said something about like, oh, you, why are you still being a slave? Um, some crazy shit, right? He had a vision, though, of one of these times with a child that he's, you know, probably killed. And looking at the blood on his hands and somehow having a moment like a, what, 
what am I doing moment. And the same, if you, another suggestion I would give is Dakota Myers, I think is his name, who was a Medal of Honor recipient who fought in Iraq, who talks about him killing a man in a trench for one of the acts he got the Medal of Honor for. And he's just looking at this kid. He's like, he was a kid like me. And he's just looking at him, repeatedly bashing a rock into his face as he kills him. And he watches the light leave his eyes. Um, that changed him profoundly over time, right? Like, he is not the same person that he was when he went off to that war. And now he has all these struggles with depression. He's trying all these alternative therapies, which, you know, I'm glad for him. I don't want him to be constantly, you know, I don't, PTSD and all that shit. That's, that's hard. That's serious. But it's, you know, like, what the, it's just, I think we excuse some killers because we don't understand the depth of what they did because it's become so personalized or depersonalized and they get away with it and they kill at the right times with, you know, the public zeitgeist or whatever. But anyway, I've been, I've been ranting enough. Did you, what'd you have to say, Zana? Oh, she just left again. <laughs> One more time. Oh, and then I see, I see Dane too. Um, Rudy, hold on. Let me, shit. Let me, um, let me give Zaina the chance to respond real quick, and then Rudy can call back in, and then I'll, I'll take Dane next because uh, he's has a hey, talk. Hey, sorry. Yeah, sorry no about that. For some reason, when I've been unmuting on my phone app, it's been dropping me off the call, which really was terrible the other day when I was trying to host one. <laughs> yeah, that is terrible. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? I think that there's still some bugs in call-in, but I think it works pretty well overall. Um, but um, I'll just close out with two things, and then I'll hop off so that I'll stop running my mouth. Um, I think that some of where we come from here in the United States, you know, is rooted in colonialism and um, toxic American exceptionalism yeah. and imperialism. And so, like, we dehumanize people. Like, I'm half Iranian, right? My dad's Afro-Iranian. My mom's Appalachian. So she's, you know, redneck foothills people. <laughs> Damn. Hell yeah. <laughs> That's quite a mix. Discrimination. Yeah. <laughs> we get plenty of discrimination as Appalachians, too. You know, dumb hillbillies, yeah, sure. you know, barefoot kitchen whatever but i think it is i think it's the way that we dehuman you we do dehumanize uh, yeah. each other and that dehumanization filters down into the ability to dehumanize each other on a one-on-one -on -one basis as well um within our own communities but often you know even among conservatives like once they meet somebody they're like i met so and so from you know, and he's from Colombia, and he's cool. I don't see a problem with, with immigrants. Or yeah, my brother yeah. Joe, he's gay. I think gay marriage should be okay. And it's interesting yep. because you'll meet – once they meet somebody, then they can have empathy. You know, and I don't think it's just with conservatives. I just happen to see this phenomenon among conservatives quite rampantly. I mean, but it's a kind of across the board um, – and, and it is that lack of dehumanization that allows us to forgive war in other countries because we don't see it the same as somebody dying here. hundred percent. And that, that hurts me deeply, but that I think is, is rooted to be true. Um, 
within ourselves because I realized when I was younger, I mean, I always had empathy, but when I was younger, I was detached from that a little bit. And when I became older and especially when I became a mother, like it began resonating with me more and more and more, especially as I was building a family, you know, with my daughter and, um, it just ends up sort of internalizing at some point, like that family just lost their child or that happened and it's a different kind of empathy. Um, so I think it's rooted in lack of empathy because of dehumanization. Um, and that's really a big, a big part of the problem. We do tend to humanize individuals more or something that we can relate to somehow that's tangible to us. Yeah. But when it's not tangible and it's not here, we don't have some kind of connection to it. And that way we don't have the human connection of seeing this is another human being sometimes. Yeah. And that's 100%. all I had to say about that. <laughs> That's you said it better than Forrest Gump ever did. I'll say that. Um, sorry, I really like that movie, and that's all I got to say about that is exactly his statement. Um, yo, the, what a vibe! What a vibe! Uh, Zayna, thank you so much for calling again. Um, total vibes, big time. Uh, and then Thomas, we'll we'll go to you in a bit. Dane, I think. Uh, I don't think I've spoken to Dane tonight, so I'm going to bring him up first, and then uh, we'll probably close out with uh, Thomas, unless other people want to call. But I do have a date at 9.30, so <laughs> your boy got to do his thing. So, okay. Um, Dane, what's going on? Hey, bud. How you doing? Hey, not too bad, man. I am, uh, you know, just contemplating forgiveness. <laughs> I, I am too, and I'm going to uh, briefly. I'll, I'll try to keep it brief because I don't want to make you late for your day. You know, nah, it's fine. Like we got, we got at least forty minutes. I'm already ready. I just gotta just hop to out. Be of on, here, so. To be on topic, you wouldn't forgive me, and I wouldn't expect. You to be <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Uh, yes, but but I will briefly divert this conversation to my consumption habits, and I will prevent preemptively forgive myself because that's the greatest forgiveness of all in doing so. Um, out of curiosity, have you ever watched The Sopranos before? I have, but not enough. I'll say that. I, it, 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 I think the best depiction artistically, it's going to kind of be like our Iliad in 500 years. Like People will simply imagine what American culture is like through like whatever, on, the, yeah. whatever the Ridley Scott movie is 500 years from now where right. people are like, you know, yeah, yeah, uh, uh, like, 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 you know, Greaves, you know, armor with like, you know, a, a, a Green Bay Packers logo on it. And then like, you know, they're going to like watch the Sopranos and that's going to be the template by which their understanding of the American world comes from. Um, but right. yeah, it, 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 it occurs to me that, you know, that this, that show has been on my mind, um, a lot during this conversation because among the best depiction I've seen in many aspects of American life, I think they depict the pathology around forgiveness so in, in the United States of America in this time and place. And really, I mean, the show's 20 years old at this point, but but it holds up such that it depicts this time and place so well that it, 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 you can't help but see a lot of pathos, both on a personal and macro scale. Play. I mean, you know, obviously we're living in a very, you know, exponential of E time period in which the 
the, uh, the the social bonds that we understood that make up American life, the liberties and, and rights we sort of become accustomed to or at this point melting like Joe Biden's ice cream cone left on like the launch pad of a SpaceX rocket at the moment. Like, you know, you look in every direction and you see <laughs> nothing but. <laughs> but, 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 you know, a lemonade left out in the Sahara sun at the moment. But, but, I mean, like, it, it's great because that show depicts so well the, um, you know, it, it's been often, and I don't want to like dwell on electoral politics at all, like, like very long, but like, like, it's been described before that like the Republicans are the party of daddy and Democrats are the party <laughs> of mommy. And that's never. <laughs> Ever, <laughs> ever been so true as as it is in the depiction of the Sopranos and specifically Carmilla Soprano, who who is it maybe one of the most fascinating characters of any kind, certainly female characters I've ever seen depicted on television, in in the way that she pantomimes regret basically i mean she she lives the life of the truest the most true of democrats in the sense that she wants to live in the big ikea mansion with the cream colored furniture and right. you know the, the 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 cut meat that causes hypertension and stuff like that <laughs> yeah. but but she wants to have these things but she wants everybody to know how bad she feels about the blood money behind it she she wants she wants to carry her cross and she wants to go like there's some i don't want to spoil too much of the show at all but like yeah. she spent the she, so she's she's the wife then of tony soprano then is that correct is that, that is, is okay. correct yeah. and uh, for those who haven't seen the show you know thank you for, for elucidating that thing but yeah yeah, yeah I, I won't I, you know i won't spoil spoil too much of the show but one of the broad themes about like an entire season is just her running around trying to get people to feel bad for her for being Tony Soprano's wife and having to live with the knowledge that, you know, her $4,000 espresso maker has someone's broken thumbs behind it paying for it. Like she went, <laughs> she goes, she goes to her, her Catholic priest. Who she nearly has an affair with, by the way, you know, not that they spoil too much of it, but she, she oh goes to like a, a confessional booth for in one episode. And, and she goes, she, she, she starts confessing, gets weepy, and she's like, I have ovarian cancer, I'm sure it, I feel it growing inside me. And, and like, like the pastor's like, oh, that's, that, or, I'm sorry, the priest is like, oh, that, that's terrible. You, 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 so you went to your doctor, you got a biopsy, and she's like, well, no, but, <laughs> but I feel it. Like, 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 you know, it, it's about like these people, specifically her, but more generally the family, these people who have everything who are just running around looking to, to, to fill the void, knowing what underwrites that everything, because right. they think that people, you know, in, in, in the feeling sorry for them, they will justify the, the burden they bear on having, having knowledge of like, you know, how much suffering is predicated upon, you know, the, the, the level of luxury that, that, that they enjoy. I mean, in, in a lot of ways, mm. I, I feel like that, you know, the American conception of forgiveness in, in, in many ways and, you know, it, it's depicted in the show. I think it, it, it does a good job of illustrating it. It's like when people are asking for forgiveness, what they're really asking for is permission for their consumption. They want to be told that it's okay to do the things oh, that they're doing. Yeah. Because there's a lot of suffering, misery, and bedlam that, again, underwrites these things. But it's it's a lifestyle to which they are accustomed, and they need a way to square that circle. And the way yeah. to square that circle is 
to ask people to to if it's okay to continue to you know eat eat the Big Mac or wear the clothing that's made by you know Indonesian toddlers' hands, so so on and so forth. Look at any supply chain, and you can you know see the see the 95 thesis associated with it. But yeah, I mean, like, like the discussion of forgiveness, especially in the American context, I find a lot of it has to do with really people, you know, you know, the, the, the phrase, you know, it's better to ask for forgiveness than permission. But I mean, I, I, I honestly think American culture in large part is predicated upon asking for permission. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, so, I, 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 your thoughts on the matter. Yeah. No, that's, <laughs> And that's a dynamic we really haven't gotten into very much yet tonight, too, Dane, is that, you know, the degree to which there's a cynicism to some extent. And not even quite just cynicism to some apologies, but how some people will want to apologize, but they want to continue doing it. And that's not like they want you to basically give them permission to do the shitty thing that they're doing. They don't actually want to stop the shitty thing that they're doing because it feels too good. Oh no, baby. I love it. I'm, I'm not going to stop, but it's, you know, it's like fucked up, but it's like, there's a real, there's a real, that's a dynamic I haven't thought of too. Yeah. My dad is, my dad is a Catholic and he gets very mad at me very often for things Similar to what I was saying just now, sure. you know, not for nothing that like the Sopranos depicts, you know, the mar- most archetypal of Catholic families. But I've often told him or I, I've referred to holy water as like a soul's car wash. Basically, you dirty yourself up for the week and go through the wash, get your hot wax. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> I'm sure dad was not too happy about that one. <laughs> no, no. There, there, there were infrequent phone calls for a few weeks after that. <laughs> I didn't mean it entirely in the way that he took it, but man, yeah. you know, you don't fire a diamond bullet by accident every once in a while. But yeah, yeah. yeah no. but yeah, yeah. I, I think I think it, it, a lot of it, you know, and, and and that's a lot of the pathology that undergirds the show, and I think it's very depicted. Is like, um, you know, and, and opinions differ on this thing, like, but like, sure. I, I do believe that to a large degree forgiveness without recompense is is pantomime like, like yeah. it, pardon par, pardon the pardon the phrase because i i hate it in many ways in many ways it's misapplied but it, it's to a large degree like virtue signaling but it's like two thousand year old institutionalized religious virtue signaling and that 100%. Like if you're not going to make an, an uh, a concerted effort to change your ways if you're going to do you know what you've always been doing but give yourself a pass so like you know a get out of jail free card you know collect 20 at go simply because you engage in the habits of morality rather than the philosophy right, of morality right, then, right. Then, then forgiveness means means nothing it, it's just a rhetorical posture it's, it's just a crouch by which you let yourself off the hook and again give yourself um, permission. But absolutely, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say institutionally too. It is a the least expensive solution for some sort of damage control, right? Of you, you, as you said, you know this two thousand year old or however cent, however old virtue signally sort of thing. That's what it is. It's it's. Uh, this idea that you can sort of get the goodwill of people back, but not the ill-gotten gains that you took from them in the first place 
from your uh, terrible action that you took that deserves that even warrants the apology, right? Um, and that is, I think, look, I, I think generally institutional apologies should be scrutinized for that reason. Um, and it's a lot harder to sort of gauge sincerity or gauge, like, has this institution learned from its mistakes, right? Uh, when, when you have an apology like that, and especially when, you know, like, it saves money. I mean, look, one of the things they say, and this is an interesting, I don't know, I, I, I found this interesting, but, you know, of, of my friends who have been through med school, um, one of the things they say they teach you for bedside manner is when something happens, if you mess up, apologize immediately or go to the family and don't try to hide it. You try to apologize and own up to what you did. Why? Because it turns out people are less likely to sue you whenever you actually own up and don't try to hide the ball. Now, it's interesting because without that element of being sued, if someone just did that, I would honestly, you know, if a doctor messed up something on me or something and they, they, they came out and told me immediately, I would be more willing to forgive them, probably less likely to sue or anything because it looked like they were genuinely, they weren't trying to hide the ball. But what happens when that caricature or not the caricature, but when that, that behavior is not because of any sincerity, but because of they don't want to lose more money. And what happens when you add, you know, layers upon layers of that? Like, how much posturing and virtue signaling can we do to totally obfuscate the true motivations of the actor, which, who has wronged you, of the, of the institution or actor who has wronged you? And there's a lot of obfuscation that can be had there, which I think goes back to why, when we think of someone like General Butt Naked, why I want to figure out how genuine it is. There's part of me that wants to get in there and figure out, does he really feel that remorse? There's a part of that that feels like it makes me more willing to accept your apology and to really want to move through it if I feel like there's a true desire for reconciliation, if there's a true desire and a true understanding that you've wronged me. Yeah, yeah, that is that is uh, uh, very true, and you know it, it it comes to. I joke with my brother previously, and you know, I'm sorry, Catholics, I'm going to be picking on you in an inordinate amount tonight. But I was raised half Catholic, so I give myself permission again. Forgive me, please. <laughs> to do it anyway, but um, it, it, it does occur to me that. The Pope, the papacy in general, is truly the Thomas Edison of thoughts and prayers in the sense that they didn't invent <laughs> it, but they did in a coercive no, manner, patent yeah. it and appropriate it and, 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 and yeah. deploy it cynically, especially in the incidents by which they are the cause of the need for thoughts and prayers in the first place. They're not oh, going to get any of the paper gold yes. away if you don't. <laughs> Don't expect any of that. That bling is staying put. He's wearing his shit on the outside, but he will provide thoughts and prayers all day because really, like, forgiveness is the greatest free gift of all. But I will go ahead and <laughs> and let uh, Rudy Dang, get back on here. Every time you call, man. 
Thank you so much for calling in, Dane. <laughs> you're always welcome. Every time you call in, I always, I always got to go back and listen to the the bits again and just be like, God damn, <laughs> it's just you know, that's it's just a lot to think about. Really good shit, though. I, I always appreciate it, man. Yeah, no problem. Have a, have a good date, bud, and uh, oh, have yeah, a good thanks. evening. Talk to you later. <laughs> yeah, I'll talk to you later. All right, bye. God, I almost forgot about my date. Isn't that I? I am. This is why I'm single. All right, Rudy, you you you're next. What's up, Rudy? Hey, what's up, man? So <laughs> I did remember what I wanted to talk about. Okay, cool. Let's go. So in Rwanda, I, I remember um, seeing a story of a guy who had taken in another guy, and this other guy had slaughtered this guy's wife and his children previous. And so now the Rwandan government has this program. Uh, and you know of a reconciliation program and so this guy who had his family slaughtered at this point he's in a better position than his neighbor and yeah you know they have a they they eat together um their neighbors they this guy sort of trusts his new wife and family with um with his neighbor that killed his old wife and family. It's it's crazy. Damn. So that they're like the guy who literally killed his old wife and family. Yeah. Is over there eating dinner with them. Yeah. But Some, lunch, you know, so it's not dark. Lunch. Okay. <laughs> I trust you, but not. I don't trust you enough to be fucking with you in the dark. Yeah. Okay. Um. See that kind of shit to me. I that there is something, and this was in. You said this was in Uganda, in Rwanda, Rwanda. Mm-hmm. There's something, honestly, you know. There's something profound about some of that shit, though. I mean, like, this is something I think gets lost in Western culture, and mm-hmm. you know, like Ameri- American culture in particular. It's like there's a there's a deep level of like human understanding and compassion and almost like a weird sort of wisdom. Yeah. I don't know if that's, you know, but like, you, you know what I mean? Like from my, the Nigerian parts of my family, like whenever I go back and I'm just hanging, there's like a, there's a, like a knowledge that's older than, than America is. And there's yeah. a way of like humanity that's older and there's, yeah. it's, it, it almost tends towards like it doesn't go to mysticism exactly, but there's there's some old wise shit going on, you know. There's some like there's something in that pot, you know yeah. what I mean? And and yeah, you I, go ahead. I hate it. I kind of hate. <laughs> Sorry, that's great. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's funny. You said you hate it. I missed. I missed what you said after that. Yeah, yeah. No, no. I, I kind of hate. You're right. There's this type of mysticism, but I, I hate this idea of black people being mystical and you know. Extra- I hate it too. Yeah. But at the same time, there's something there. Culture. I'm sure other cultures have it, right? But there's something there. Like, I certainly don't get that from. Well, I get some some of that from my white side, but not like. You know, it ain't that deep. It's more like everyone be friends. <laughs> yeah, I I feel you. So I'm like, yeah. I 
as a leftist, I feel like I'm more sort of into the mechanics, into the what I can see, into the tangible and stuff like that. So anytime it gets into the mystical, I kind of I hate it. But at the same time, like I feel like the problem with the U.S. is that there isn't enough mystical stuff. So for myself, I'm not really into it, but I do appreciate, you know, the the energy and stuff. And you're right. Like my mother, for example, you know, I'm not a my dad and I don't agree. And there's yeah, there's a story, there's history, you know, but my mother's just like, you know, she drops a line like your your father's always, your, you know, you know, the, the lines they drop on you. It's very simple, but it's, yeah, it's, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, like the oh, I don't exactly. know, the and I feel like the tall happens. tree gets cut, blah blah. Yeah, right. But it's like it's materialized from something. If you're talking about yes, land, it's, yes, I'm talking yes. about like we, we people went through genocides, and if you go through genocide, you're going right. to have to solve the problems that come through come with the genocide. Yes, yes. Yeah. And so there, there has to be a, you have to dig deep. And oftentimes, like, again, these, we look at, and I, that's, what, that's what I'm saying. I, I hate this kind of conversation because we start talking about these people as if they're saints and all of that. Yeah. You know, it, it's not, it's the environment, if anything, right? So if, like, yeah. to the yeah. point that, they're like saintly, are, are, you know, they they don't have shoes, I guess. Uh, some some of them, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I guess, yeah, I'm like thinking about these. But yeah, so like, yeah, there is you push human beings to a certain level. I suppose they rise to it, and so either the, their spirit yeah. is crushed or like they're transformed into sages that are. According to Sam Powell, Samantha Powell, uh, you know, starving from uh, whatever. Uh, so I like to yeah. jump in there with an American comment, but yeah. So there's there's yeah. that. think about the genocides of the you know, the Congolese, the hand chopping, and all of these places. It's not to say that Africa is only those stories, but there is a. It's more in Africa than you know us right now. And so, um, yeah, this is what big time. You so you you see such things. You see people having to um, forgive people who have eaten people. And the other thing too, though, is there's the mysticism too that you were talking about. So it wasn't like it, it's uh, as an African watching it. It made sense somehow, <laughs> you know, when he's talking about yeah. he wasn't able to be like shot at. I've heard stories of like people yeah, who yeah, 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 yeah. gotten yeah. procedures to not be like shot at, but yeah. then they've gotten in front of like tanks and the tanks just shoot them and then they break their bones. But then like they go to a doctor and the doctor can't cut them. So, yeah, I've heard all that shit too. And like, you know, that's where I'm like, all right, this has got to be bullshit. <laughs> but, but you know, you tell that to like my dad, he's like, now nah, that shit's real. And I'm like, there's okay. I don't, then they got a Wakanda up in that motherfucker too, with some kind of technology doing that. If that's happening, but but I, you know, I've heard you can say that where you're at, but then as soon as the lights get turned off, you know, that's right. Oh yeah, I need I need my special bullet uh, 
repelling powers too, or whatever, right? Like, right. I'll, as soon as the lights get turned off, they, you're right about that. But, I, yeah, it's interesting. I guess that's why I I kind of find myself drawn back to this question, though, and this issue of forgiveness is because you do see people who have been through some truly horrible shit. And there does seem, I think with a lot of Africa, too, there does seem to be this, you know, without trying to mysticize the people or anything like that, but there does seem to be this this way of, like, being and understanding that gets them through that kind of horrible shit, right? Like, it's almost like, to what extent have they learned some of this stuff over generations and generations of just terrible shit. I mean, we haven't even gotten to like Nietzsche and right. and his idea of, you know, morality and he makes a a case for why forgiveness and these more Christian moralities are are actually uh just a way for people who are oppressed to cope with their oppression. It and that's he says a lot more than that, but basically the the idea of like uh, a morality system based on forgiveness and these and powerlessness is necessary for people who are constantly under the boot as opposed to people who have the ability to enact their will then you know their morals can be you know like snorting coke and fucking hookers or whatever which you know i don't even think that's immoral to be honest but like i mean well i mean it depends on there's gotta be consent and all that stuff but whatever i'm not here to talk about snorting coke and fucking hookers but like that's that's the argument he's kind of making right Maybe the line is drawn at like you take coke, and then you wear gloves, and then you drive to the to the poor, you know, part of the city and this person till they die. I, I've seen that in like <laughs> in this. I forget what um series I was watching that had that. It was one of these. I love um dystopian movies, but like you yeah. have like this guy that seems decent and. The only way he can maintain decency for like three weeks of the month is to spend like one night binging, just like beating up a guy until he dies. Oh, that sounds like the purge, kind of. Only yeah. like on an individual level. Um, yeah. The poor people yeah. in Senegal during, and this is a Muslim thing, but like, mm-hmm. um, you know. We we definitely wholeheartedly sort of um, accept that. Um, this um, once we pray, we we go, we basically ask forgiveness from everybody and stuff. Um, right. And I was just thinking about before you even said this, like um, how that fits into the sort of. I mean, we're we're talking about forgiveness, so. Yeah. Oh, are you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. I'm still here. Uh, yeah, it's. I've I've thought about these things. This because it's it's necessary, and oftentimes what you have is you have like the people who the victims who have to like reach out first, and so it, yeah, it's another thing. It's that sort of informed my politics in thinking about U.S. and when we're talking about the African Americans and like. You know, like when we're talking about how it's oftentimes African Americans that have to reach out. When we're talking about, okay, can we? Hmm? 
Huh? No, you there? Oh, he he dropped. I'm too bad. Uh, well, uh, Rudy, thank you for calling. Uh, we got one more caller, everybody. One more caller. I'm still going to make this date on time. Oh, Amanda's here, too, finally. Awesome. Well, this is a perfect time. Amanda, let's go ahead and greet uh, the friend of the show. Everybody, please, please stand for attention. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, as we are here speaking of forgiveness with our flesh and blood of the Great Wall, everyone arise. An arm. Arise, you victims of oppression. For each arise. one. Arise. Arise. Arise for Shelley. Millions, but with one part. Braving the enemy's fire. March on. Braving the enemy's fire. March on. March on. Arise. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Shelley. It's Shelley. And Amanda. What's up, y'all? Welcome back. Welcome. Welcome, welcome. Oh my god, I almost died. <laughs> How? Like, died from... <laughs> no, this? so, okay. basically what happened is I started feeling, like, a little bit icky, not this Monday, and not the last Monday, but the Monday before that. And then I got called in on Wednesday night, like, at around 11.30, and we worked on this guy that was, like, coding until, like, 5.30 in the morning, and that shot my immune system. Then I was on call that entire weekend and we got called in for emergencies literally in the middle of the night, almost every single night. And so I never got rest. So by the time, not this Monday, but the past Monday rolled around, I literally wheeled into work around 11 o'clock because I totally overslept and I get in there and I'm just like, hi, like I don't have a voice. I can't speak. I'm feverish. Oh it's all that other nonsense. They send me home. I go to an urgent care place. It's urgent care. They're worried about drug seekers, so they won't give me any actual any of the actual good shit, you yeah, know? Yeah, the good stuff, yeah. Yeah. So basically they give me like mucinex and like a like a there there cough syrup. Like it'll it'll take your hack to a to a tuberculosis level. Like you like you're almost dead and we're just gonna bring it down to tuberculosis. Oh my god, so, so what? I got that did they figure out what was wrong with you or what, what happened? No, I don't have COVID. I like literally was like testing. I don't have COVID. I don't have anything like that. I basically just had probably just like a regular cold and then just not being able to sleep. Yeah. You know, that one night and then getting screwed over that entire weekend just shot my immune system. And then it just moved into my chest. So I was like coughing, hacking, like for most of last, last week, I was just like going into work for like two hours to just do the bare minimum that I possibly could going home and then just laying in my bed and like shivering. Oh my God. I'm so sorry. That's and then of course terrible. I'm just squeaking. Like I can't talk to anyone. I can't. And like, I couldn't even call, like I wanted to go on so many call in things, but like there's so many people that yeah. I want to talk to and so many things I want to say yeah. that I'm just going to end up like smashing the call button and then just being like, <laughs> and no one's going to be able to hear me. Finally, finally, I got one of my APNs to actually get me some fucking antibiotics, which is what I needed the entire time. But, you know, the healthcare yeah. system is so weird about overprescribing antibiotics. It's very difficult to get them. Finally, one of my APNs just hooked me up, got a Z-Pack, literally started recovering that day. 
So finally got my voice back. Hell yeah. I'm so glad you're okay. I was wondering because I hadn't seen you on Colin for a little bit. And I was like, Oh, that's the sickest I've been. But I, I feel like I've been one of these like weird people that I'm vaccinated mm-hmm. and I never got COVID at all. I never even had a single sniffle during the uh-huh. pandemic, got vaccinated, never tested positive, never had any type of symptoms, never anything like that. Like, I mean, I am a walking recessive gene being like a redhead and, you know, everything else, weird blood type, all that other crap. Yeah. So I guess the recessive genes worked in my favor this time. Well, Bye. congratulations on that. Congratulations on your perfect genes. No, on my, on my recessive genes. No, nope, on, on my perfect genes. genes. I heard what my you genes said. That are so, my genes that are so fucked up that COVID's like, I'm not fucking with that girl. Yeah. <laughs> well, I... I, did you say you had a date? Is that what I, I, heard? I do at nine thirty. Well, yeah. Well, it's now it's now been pushed back to nine forty five, but well, I you I need to go get spiffy and stuff. Yeah, I gotta go get a. I gotta go sex myself up a little bit. Look, look <laughs> like well, present, oh look presentable. Yeah. <laughs> but I kind of feel like if you're having a date at nine forty five, it's gonna go pretty well. If you know what yeah, I mean. Yeah. Well, it's not our first date. Oh. Right, so, so it's gonna go. That's all I'm gonna well. say. So you, it's, go, you go get spiffied up, and we will see you here next week, right? Yeah, next week we're gonna continue on. I don't know what the episode next week is gonna be yet, but uh, we're gonna resume doing Tuesdays. Maybe you know what? I've been wanting to do an episode on just like dating, and I also have one on. It's funny. Funny enough, I want to do one on incels, kind of, because one of the the person I'm actually going on a date with tonight. It's like an expert in uh, incels, which is really interesting. She an uh, incel tamer. She's a whisperer. No, she's more like she thinks they're terrorists. <laughs> I see. So she's like, um, so those have been some interesting conversations. I don't know. I think uh, I have been wanting to do an episode on that, but I, I, uh, maybe maybe we'll do a fun one on just like dating and stuff, and because yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, it'd be cool. We could talk about dating and the need for love on the left. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Oh, um, just just real quick because mm-hmm. it was, it's been driving me crazy, and then definitely go get spooky. So obviously, I really wanted to like call in debris show, and I wasn't able to because I still I still couldn't really speak all that well yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um. But she had the Norm Finkelstein thing, and there was this whole entire, like, long, drawn-out thing about, like, the value of the feed- the life of the fetus, like, all this other type of stuff. Yeah. And the thing that was kind of driving me fucking crazy about the whole entire thing, and if I'd been able to call in, then I would have obviously yelled it from the rooftop. But at what point do you value the life of the mother? Like, and I don't think that whenever we're having the conversation over, well, you have to admit that the fetus is a life and that there's you know, something there, at what point do you um, put the fetus's life above the life of the mother? And that's just from, as a, as a fully grown adult, I have skills, I have opinions, I've got philosophy, I have all these other types of stuff, lived and learned experience. Is that not of some type of value over something fully formed that has nothing really built into it or hasn't really developed fully as a human being. And am I not a more productive member of society? And should it like, like how is it that we are talking about the value of life 
and what constitutes having the appropriate level of value. Sure. That, that I think is something that I wish had been kind of brought up more, but anyway, go, go, go do your day. I, I'll, uh, I'll make sure I tell Bree that tonight on our date. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> you fucking wish. You wish. No, I don't think, I, I honestly think we would hate each other. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, there's some, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Give me that Anderson Pot. Hell yeah. Hey, well, that's exactly what the nigga came for. That's right. I'm coming for that ass tonight. If my date is listening, I'm going to buy you a drink. I'm going to tell you all about forgiveness. I'm probably going to talk about general butt naked. And then generally, you and I are going to be butt naked. All right. And that's the way that it goes. And that's the way that it goes, baby. This is what happens towards the end of all of these. They go off the fucking rails. <laughs> they absolutely fucking do. You know what? Yeah, you know what I think you should do? I think you should just stay on the phone and then just like produce her. Oh, the no. Totally no. 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 I, I cannot. That is not consent, baby. Uh-uh. No, I know. Uh-uh. I, know. I got two-party yeah, consent. Definitely play, the, definitely play the international for her, though. She'll, she'll, she'll offer her. Yeah. I will. Well, I, I look, y'all. I, I've appreciated today. I love that we have the uh, the crew here to end the night. Rika was here earlier. I fucking love seeing her here. I, I love seeing all y'all here. It's 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 pretty cool. I I dig it. Thank you for coming to the Fred Hampton Inn and Suites. Um, and thank you in advance. Uh, I'll take a note from Dane. And say forgive me in advance. Um, and I will also forgive myself for having to go on this date and getting spiffy. But um, also, Bide's doing a presentation in his book club on Thursday. If y'all want to talk. Right, oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, I will be. I still have to read it and figure it all out. But uh, yeah, the book club. I, I did an update about it. Um, if you want to come uh, check it out, it's a Left Unity Study Group. Uh, it's a good good group of of people. If I do say so myself, and I'll be giving a presentation on uh we're reading uh reminiscence of the cuban revolutionary war by che uh guevara uh whose real name is ernesto guevara he has a nice nice uh intelligent sounding name <laughs> i don't know what that means but uh look i thank you all for coming out tonight and i do think look it's it's an issue that we should probably discuss more and think about I will never not be fascinated by the utility, the potential utility of forgiveness, and also the ability of people to try to repent or to try to redeem themselves. I'm a sucker for redemption arcs, baby. If, um, you know, Darth Vader coming back and deciding to kill the Emperor before whatever else he's been doing in Star Wars now, I think that's kind of cool. And I don't think we'll ever get rid of all the Darth Vaders before they turn. But I do want to make as many pathways possible as there can be to make sure that when a Vader decides to do the right thing, he can throw the emperor into a vat of nothingness or whatever. He just threw him off a 
fucking like down in energy. I don't know what it is. I don't know ship anatomy, but you know what I'm saying, okay? Forgive me for not getting the uh, the end analogy right, but anyway, I am. I got a shower. My ass smells like shit. I got to go get ready. All right. Thank you all for coming to the Fred Hampton Inn Suites. I hope you enjoyed your stay. See you next week. And yes, you can join the book club. Details are, I posted an update.